Episode 177, and it's me, Gary P. Of course, the Prof. Carol Riley. Yeah, yes, sir. Buke. The Bukes are coming out, and Prof said I wouldn't sing on this week's show, because that's how I usually do a sound check. I sing the worst way I can possibly sing. Prof said I wouldn't. Is that so two or know? three weeks in a row now you've started singing at the top of the show? <laughs> can we can we nip this in the board now? I think we're better off, aren't we? Yeah, getches our books. We're going to talk about that soon. And of course, our fantastic uh, sponsors, Leinster, Credit, who have kindly gotten involved with the Player of the Year Awards as well. So check it out. When you need a Player of the Year Awards, go for Leinster Credit. Get the good you back. And of course, Ocean Electrical, who have potential to become a global conglomerate and turn into like one of these oil baron companies that we have to disassociate ourselves with eventually because they get so big. And so powerful. <laughs> they start to rule the world. So we, we're with them for the time being. Sponsors for life and all that until they start taking over the world. Until they start breaking international laws. <laughs> yeah, and end up in The Hague. <laughs> Craig Matten in The Hague. So big shout out to all our sponsors. And uh, yeah, so this week, Prof, we have our bus trip to Longford. And there's a book theme on the show and another edition of the Tifties Hotline. An interview with McDowell Ferris and Owen Rice, of course. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. Had an absolute ball doing this one, Prof. And uh, they are the authors of Rings End to Tala, which is being launched at the stadium this Friday. So what better way to spend your Friday in Tala Stadium, buying books, celebrating three points, toasting 19th league title. Prof, we're looking for a, looking at a good week. Potentially a fantastic week here. Very much so, very much so. So you're in for a treat this week. And the t-shirts are coming hot and fast and sticky. Well, they won't be sticky. But they're coming. Should hope not. They're coming <laughs> fast. Do we had an issue with the distributor and the supplier, and unfortunately, it didn't. It just took an extra week or so. It's just we wanted to make sure they were bang on the way we wanted them. 
perfectionists as we are here, you will get your t-shirts, your stickers, your badges. We will make sure that you are well. You get a good bundle for your money. So this week they could start coming in? I'm thinking this week, Prof. So I will let you know as soon as it's shipped. I will stand by my letterbox. And, of course, you can collect it in Tallis Stadium. It will be on touch on my social media, on our social media, on our platforms, all that. If we have an option to click and collect and come and get it in Tallis Stadium on Friday, we certainly will. So you'll be getting them out of the back of the car as well. Of course, Prof, the player of the year tickets, the social event of the year. This has literally been the mo- one of the most enjoyable things I've ever organised because everything is gone. <laughs> There's no tickets left. You cannot come to this player of the year events. We actually have to get the ca- we have to go to the four pros after this and make sure the capacity levels are right and that we can fit everybody in. So unfortunately, you can get in touch with me and I can put you on the standby list. But we have to go and check out the venue tonight and make sure we can add more people in without being a fire hazard or without plunging through the fucking floorboards. We might need a scary looking bouncer. It's a ridiculous... It, they they literally sold out in a day. It's brilliant stuff. We have bands, DJs, food, the whole lot. We will have... Sti- have and, and we we might have some merch on sale on the night. We won't say that yet. Referring to you, I remember you brought up this idea. I don't know how long ago it was. You were just like... Maybe a couple nah. of months. No, it wasn't that. It was like... <clears throat> being a bit ambitious here, Gar. I don't know if you'll be able to pull all this off. In fairness, you pulled off absolutely every aspect of it. <laughs> without fail. Oh, man. You fake it till you make it, don't you? <laughs> yeah, really, really impressed by this. And it's... it's also, also, also to the four probs as well. The four probs have been such a good partner for us. And it's a lot of give and take. I mean, we're bringing guys, 60 guys to them on a, on a Friday for six hours. We're going. We we got we got in for points after Longford, by the way. So there's points after Longford as well. So it's becoming a fantastic, a brilliant partner for us, and we're bringing our own beer with them as well. So listen, it's we're working on. Uh, You're still brewing it. Still brewing it in the tank. More dog. More dogs. Where it's brewing as we speak. It's fermenting. We can go over and have a little look at it soon. But uh, the Voyal campaign will be coming soon. But yeah, listen. If you are still interested in the Player of the Year, please send us your. Um, your details and we will put you on the standby list as soon as we know the capacity can be increased we will let you know um, Prof we have Gary O'Neill became a photographer in training and uh, this had great meme potential didn't it all day and it has great meme potential forever <laughs> forever it's one of those like it'll pop up on Twitter years from now yeah definitely forever I'll be looking at it when hopefully I don't want Bowles to win the cup. That's being honest. So I'm waiting for crying Bowles players, all strewn all over the Aviva, and then the Gary O'Neill me and popping up <laughs> with him and the camera. Well, you can let me know what, what result that uh, finishes because uh, I think a lot of us are just getting out of the country that day, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. And the Monday right. as well, just in case. I pity the rings end contingent. The pride of the rings end boys. Yeah, they'll, they'll be stepping out of D four for the for the day that's in it. And the new forum, Prof, it's grown. Alabama Rovers posted this. Good to know you are back on your feet, Prof. I suspected it might be COVID, so it held my usual wisecracks about Tifty's laziness and level of service. I will say last week's podcast was sorely missed as I had to listen to it Friday. I'm in live and LOI Central on my drive to Chattanooga to Birmingham and it wasn't the same. I did play the Late Late Show intro from episode 174 a dozen times over in my car just to lift my mood. Yeah, it was... Uh, remember Conan O'Brien was dancing on The Simpsons? <laughs> that's what I was like and then everyone else was dancing oh, yeah. I was like only I may dance <laughs> that got a great response that brilliant intro. yeah excellent excellent stuff it really was 
Um, Chattanooga. That it's, that's down south. That has to be down south, doesn't it? Well, he's told us this before, hasn't he? Alabama Roberts. We interviewed him, didn't he? Uh, on the show a few years back. He has these long drives in the truck from like state to state. And uh, he tunes in. Excellent stuff. Much appreciated. All the love coming from Alabama Rover. Yeah, so uh, in in a growing trend of overseas hoops buying us beer, we encourage Alabama Hoop to mm-hmm. send us some beer. Of course. If you send us beer, we will never miss a week again. Never. COVID or not. <laughs> I'm coughing when you said that. Uh, Killian Brennan Prof, LOI Central. I didn't get around to it this week. Busy, busy week for Gary P. Yeah, um, I didn't hear it either, but I got uh, good feedback actually. Surprisingly, apparently, was was decent. Did he explain why he aimed a gauzier in my face <laughs> in the Richmond Park that time? It's probably because you were swinging around the Richmond Park lamppost like a lunatic, fucking orangutan, <laughs> escaped in D eight. That was amazing to watch. <coughs> ah, nuts, nuts. But uh, yeah, no. Uh, yeah, some... no. I heard he was good. Just the accent was tough going, mm. which you'd expect. You know, the old loud. Oh yeah, oh no. So some feedback from the previous shows. Graham Garland got in touch and he says, I think it was twelve yellows and three reds, haha, <laughs> in the 05 season. And did you not see the message he sent after that? No, was it? He said some people just want to watch the world born. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That that was his his record number of bookings. Uh, uh, um That that match that we were talking about last week, remember? The last ever game in Milltown. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I said that it was actually a charity match for goal. We have a, yeah, more follow-up feedback to that. Go on. Con Murphy played in that match. <laughs> no, he didn't. Man. Serial merch wearer. Serial Tifty's merch wearer. And I was in uh, Mick McCarty's house uh, last week. First time. Mick McCarty, the face of a lawn. Oh, yes. And that picture is actually up on the wall. A few, few people, few uh, legends in action from that game. From that game itself, jeez, everything's just linking up this, know, this yeah. last few weeks, isn't it? And of course, that that whole thing stemmed from my in- the interview with uh, Amy Cherokee, the director of goal. And Gary, look at what my primary school class in Joey's produced. Go on, tell me. Just producing all these famous individuals. You got myself, of course. You got Eamon Sharkey, who's now be top of that list, probably. Yeah, of course. Eamon Sharkey, director of fundraising at Goal. You've got now, or first of all, uh, Owen O'Gara. He doesn't count. Multiple All Ireland winner with no, Dublin. The guy doesn't matter. And now Aaron Rogan, nominated as Business Journalist of the Year. He has a new book out. Oh, I saw this book out. It's got yeah. it's all about the rise of Paddy Power. Am I right? And as it happens, Aaron is a Roberts fan as well. I have to say. We are the smartest fans <laughs> on the internet. SMRT. SMRT. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, big shout out to the lads and keep it up. Fantastic. How about, surely there's there's room for something here with all the authors that are knocking around. There's room for some sort of super league, superhero justice league of authors, <laughs> of Rovers authors. Uh, yeah, so big shout out to the lads. Fair play to them for all they've achieved. Um, we have a nice one here, Prof. Shout out to Sean McLean. That is Jason Walsh's McLean Youngflood. Do you know what? He shouldn't be living in his dad's shadow. His dad's now living in his shadow. He's now outgrown him. He's now outgrown him. So a friend of the show and both good hoops, Sean made his first team debut for Camp City versus Bray in the Carlisle grounds. 
Friday, 15th of October. 2-1 win for Cabo coming on as a sub. So, excellent, excellent stuff. And I saw yeah. on Facebook he scored this absolute screamer of a goal not too long ago as well. So, big, big hopes for young Sean McLean. Get him into our hoops as well. That'd be great, wouldn't it? Yeah, big congrats to Sean and the McLean family. You, you'd, wouldn't you just explode? Like, imagine the likes of us for good at football and we actually played for hoops. How, how better does it get? You can't ex- you can't actually exceed that happiness really. I mean, just scoring a goal for Rovers against Bowes into the south stand, and you actually feel the way we do about Rovers. Do you know what I mean? Didn't he play against Rovers too last season? Yeah, yeah. Was, was I'm nearly sure. I could be totally wrong about that, but I remember him putting up on pace. And- I think it was the nineteen. I think it was the nineteen. Oh, that was it. I remember him putting up a post on Facebook saying like sort of divided loyalties or something. So, Prof, one of my favourite sections is coming up again, and it's the Tifties Hotline. It's the questions that are coming out, Prof. Here we go. How many Rowers books do you own, and which is your favourite? What's the last book you read? Can be football or non-football. And do you prefer a physical book in your hand, or something like a Kindle? Question two. Uh, how interested are you in international football? And do you care about Ireland as much as Rowers? And do you go to Ireland games? Uh, easy, easy ones there. For me, well, uh, we've got eight callers into this hotline, and I figured two or three of them would kind of say they didn't care at all. But actually, no, the vast majority do like uh, going to Ireland matches. Yeah, I think it was just the likes of Phelan and stuff like that who would have been hardcore, you know. I think it was just one who was totally off put by the recent uh, recent years. How many Rovers title winning nights have you been there for? And is there a standout memory on? Or off the pitch uh, to myself I remember Bray I just remember being absolutely baffled beyond belief at Twiggy scoring that goal from that angle oh. and I just remember thinking this is nuts like it was nerve wracking absolutely nerve wracking and the Gary Shaw miss oh my goodness it was very difficult to enjoy that night at all it was nuts it was insane and the new CD as well new CD was nuts went. great I just remember I think yeah. I think it was Rebecca Dunn Lost all her books. Someone came straight from college or something like that, and as <laughs> something happened, books everywhere, and then just running onto the pitch. Well, there was no pressure on that night, really. <clears throat> we, should eat. I mean, we knew we could do it against Galway the following week, but the Bray one was God, that was intense. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Have you done any of the way days so far this season? So, Finn Harps, Sligo, Longford, how did it feel to be back? What's your opinion on the club? Not given an away allocation to Derry and Bowes in recent weeks. Uh, away days, Prof, Tifties are away days. We don't need to answer that question. We already spoke about the other one as well, most recently. Um, who has Stephen Bradley's best project been? Meaning, which players developed most under his tutelage? Pick a first and second best. This is worth a podcast alone. You've got Watts, who is the current one. Brilliant, brilliant uh, development under Bradzer. Scalesy. Scalesy's been superb. Cotter is up there now with it as well. Cotter is uh, uh, like he can play everywhere and he's starting to come on now. Jack alone, Jack's another one. Jack was in the down in the dumps, not wanting to play football. Reinvigorated by Bradley, turned into the best player in League of Ireland. Uh, you could, we could go on and on. Gannon is another one, possibly struggling out wide. Right centre back. Now he has found his form. 
Finn could be another one who has been revitalised under him at right wing back and is a serious contender for uh, player of the season. I think Gannon, that's a bit of a mad shout now for... Oh, well, no. I don't think he fits he's the criteria of this question. Gannon's going to be a big player for us in the next two years. He might not. Yeah, you're right. Talking he about might, someone who's won yeah. seven league titles. Maybe so. We're talking about like a 22-year-old <clears throat> Dylan Watts. True, true. I'm, I'm talking about... Well, Having said that, someone actually... There's a great variety of answers to this question. Someone brought up Alan Manis because... Remember, he came back for the challenge of playing a different way. And rose to it. And Brazzer had to, I wouldn't say coach him to do it, but... He had to make him better with his feet, though, yeah. didn't he? So yeah, Manus, totally. Manus did actually sort of fit the criteria. Yeah, but what I mean about Gannon, I don't mean... Yeah, you're right to pull me on that and say that he doesn't fall into that bracket, but once again, he has been put into a position where he, he was struggling initially in the position he was in. He's put a right centre back now, and that's just more... Of, more so Bradley's tactical I get what you brilliant mean, yeah. so you know what I mean so Actually, he deserves a lot of credit maybe someone can tell us has Gannon played there previously in his career yeah yeah I don't remember ever playing there now to be honest not in the back three anyway but that's that's one of my favourite conversations is how Bradley has brought players on Pico is ultimately number one you cannot yeah. fault his development of Pico it's outrageous that's why we asked for a first and second because I figured everyone would just pick Pico I think he is the standout Given how raw he was, the raw materials Brazzer and the, and the management team had to work with there, from that to what he is now, yep. it is incredible. It's absolutely incredible. And poor Danny Mandroyo, who has no work ethic and is rubbish and is a terrible pox. Look what he's done. He's got double figures this season. He's been absolutely brilliant and he's worked his bollocks off. Another another way of transforming a player and getting in his head. And the, the management team deserve a lot for that. So. But he's toxic though. He's toxic, yeah. So I think we've we've kind of given some of our own answers there. Just on question one, how many Rowers books do you own? Surprise, surprise, all of them. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I have a favourite now. Prof is actually sitting in a little hut. No, we used to make a hut when you were a kid out of your covers and the pillows. Prof is now in a little dome of books. <laughs> I don't know if I have a favourite, I suppose, besides my own one. that did with McDara at the time. But I think if I had been a fan at the time Robert Goggins' one came out in 93... I think that would have been my favourite because Rowers fans had never seen anything like that before. Mm. And it just blew everybody away. Uh, I quite like Rowers' 100th anniversary, although it ended up being actually being the 102 anniversary. But uh, it's more of a pictorial book. But I think there's just loads of little facts and figures in, in it. And stuff. A lot to be said for stuff so like that. I like that one. Yeah. Uh, last book I read was the John Delaney book. And... Defo preferred the physical book in my hand. Yeah. Imagine oh, you do as well. Again. Without a doubt, yeah. Without a shadow of a doubt. Like I said, big fan of the library, bringing the kids down. A little bit of peace. Go down, pick out a nice book. You know, it's 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 just underrated. It really is. Um, yeah, so we next up, Prof, we have it. We have the boys. There is the Tifty's Hotline, part one. Hotline. Hello, Tifty's listeners. Uh, Phelan Moran here. Delighted to be asked to answer the hotline questions, so here here, here goes. Um, Rovers books I have, Charlie Willoughby's Come on the Hoops, um, I have Tell Time, I got Dan Cleary's Diary last season, um, I have the Four in a Row book by Robert, and I have The Hoops History by Paul Doolan and Robert. Um, the last book, I, and I'll be getting, of course, I'll definitely be getting Rings Ante Tala next Friday, so uh, great, best of luck to um, Owen and McDarrow with that. The last book I read, um, from what I can remember, was The Witness, about Joey O'Callaghan uh, in the Witness Protection Programme. Uh, I have an unhealthy 
uh, interest in gangland for some reason don't know where that came from um i would definitely prefer a physical book to a kindle i wouldn't have a kindle now if you paid me um the irish team international team yeah i'm very interested in the irish international team having been going to internationals since 1973 when my dad brought me i was two months short of me seventh birthday he brought me and my brothers to uh the ireland the all ireland shamrock rovers 11 against uh brazil in lansdowne road so that was uh put the seed of international football into my head and uh since then i've been to euro 88 italian 90 usa 94 uh, poland in 2012 and i was in one game in uh euro 2016 uh, and i do still go to the, the home games not so much the away games anymore um but I would care more about Rovers than the Irish team, definitely. Um, given the more regularity, um, local, obviously, local, your local team, been following Rovers in 79. Um, so I definitely would care more about Rovers than the Irish team. But I, I care passionately for both, but definitely Rovers, uh, Rovers shades it. Um, winning championship, winning title nights that I've been to, um, yeah, from what I remember from the four in a row, uh, when we won titles I was would have been at three of the four years of the final games there um, so great great times great memories of Milltown um, and a, the wonderful four in a row team um, I, then when we won it in 94 in the RDS so that was definitely marked uh, with a big a big session afterwards uh, over in the Horshow House I do remember that one I remember the pissy rain and wet day against Cork City Um and then getting pissed, obviously, afterwards in the horse show house. That was a great night of celebration, I suppose. Winning it when we really weren't expected to. Our first title away from Milltown was, it was special, definitely. 2010 and 2011, I was there also in the Carlisle grounds um, where we fell over the line. Um, I definitely went back to Talla and uh, had a few points that night in 2010. Uh, 2011, I was in Belfield as well when Dean Kelly scored. Um, I think that was a Monday night if memory serves me right so I think I just went home that night maybe had a few cans maybe in, in my gaff but I didn't go out that night that's I definitely can categorically say that um, and 2020 like everybody else I was at home um, watching the last couple of games I was lucky to get into the, the home games many of the home games last year with the audio descriptive commentary but um, when we actually lifted the title I, I wasn't there that night so I watched it at home um, with a good few beers as well and hopefully now we can we can get the six points required and uh, there'll definitely be 2020 and 2021 to um, to celebrate properly with with everybody so hope looking forward that we get over the that we get the six points we required and um, have a, a proper night celebration with everybody um the aways away tickets for fans um i agreed with the close policy i think we were right to look after our own fans first even though some people will say we didn't sell out bows last monday but i'm not sure that's really the point i think we had a duty to our fans who didn't get in for 18 months so I, I, I did agree with the policy I especially agreed with the Boas policy given what happened in Daily Mount in the Cup game I covered that game with the auto descriptive commentary and the, the atmosphere was horrible it was toxic it was hateful it was spiteful um, Boas members and season ticket holders many of them showed their true colours that day and um, I think it was right that the club definitely didn't give them tickets for last Monday's game um, with full attendance coming back obviously it's it looks like we'll have fans then obviously we'll go back to normal with the away fans I'm hoping to do a few away trips next year it's, it's not always possible for me to do so um, but I hope to to be on the road with uh, you know off duty as a commentator if, we, if we're still doing the audio streams I'd like to go as more as an away fan itself to go with the all the all the, all the lads on the away trip so I look forward to that hopefully next season um, 
As regards the Bradley project, yeah, I think most people would probably pick Pico, and I, I would be in that bracket as well. Um, when he arrived at the club, his passing was was dreadful. I think he'll be the first to admit that. Uh, he was prone to a mistake or two, but um, since then, in the last three, four years, Pico's been a mainstay of the team. Um, just his presence in defence, uh, we're a more vulnerable team when he's missing, be it injured or on international duty. Um, but credit to Pico himself as well. It's not just down to Bradzer and and uh, and Glenn. It's it's down to the Pico himself for his his you know his dedication, his commitment to the, to the cause. Um, he's such an approachable fella, such a likable fella. Um, but he's he's just he's just a legend at the back of the in, in our back three or back four wherever it may be. So Pico definitely has been the number one success story under Bradley. My second one would be mightn't be uh, it might be a surprise to some people. I think Jack Bourne. Um, I think Jack was was had fallen out of love with the game when he arrived back from the UK. Um, he might have even packed it in, who knows? But he was definitely disillusioned. He was maybe even broken uh, from what we've been reading and what Jack has said himself. He was unfit. Um, people pointed to his discipline, ill discipline, forgetting so many clubs. But I think um, Stephen got in his ear. Um, you know that about his ability. He got his fitness up, and Jack gave us two amazing seasons. Um, for which we'll always be grateful for it. If he never plays for us again, Jack Bourne was just unbelievable for the two seasons. So, so for, for Bradley's success stories, yeah, Pico number one and Jack Bourne number two. Thanks for listening, lads, and thanks for for having me on Tifties. Take care. Keep on hooping. Um, my name is uh, Jay Mangan. So I've uh, kindly been asked to answer five questions uh, that was given to me. So about Rovers and other things. Um, so the first one is, um, do we have any Rovers books or own any Rovers books? Um, I don't, but I do have a few uh, match programs. Um, obviously, the cup final. Um, AC Milan for for instance. Um, I like reading over little programs and all that. Um, I've also have other programs like from from over the years, like Rovers and other stuff. Um, the second one, how interested are you in international football? Um, I have a massive interest in international football. Um, whether it's Ireland. England or like Scotland and all that. Um, it's it's football at the end of the day. Like it's it's something that I've loved since I was like three or four. It's grew on me so much. Um, like, but obviously, do I love it as much as Rovers? No, I actually don't because like Rovers is. One of the best things that's ever happened to me. You know, going to say in the last 14 years, there's been nothing better on a Friday night. Um, like, it's been unbelievable, 13 years, and now I'm looking forward to it, obviously, in the next 13. Um, it says, how many Rovers title, or winning title nights have I been to? Um, I've actually only been to two. I was at the one in 2010, Bray away. It was probably one of the greatest nights of my life. Um, the two wall draw. Um, and I remember um, it was it went down to the final day that year. Bows had to beat Dundalk and they needed Bray to beat us, but we, the rest is history. We know what, exactly what happened. Um, 
have we done any away trips this year? Yes, all we've done uh, is slowly go away. Um, it's been my first trip since last year, slowly go, uh, right before the lockdown. Um, absolute missing it big time. Well, I have missed it big time. Um, we've missed out on a lot of football um, as fans. And, and now, with the restrictions lifted, we have it all back. But um, I'd, lo- I'd love to go to every away game, but obviously it's kind of a, a bit tough for me because um, because of where I'm based, like all the way in the city centre. So then, uh, like having to get lifts and, and uh, taxis home from Tallet and all, it's not ideal, but sometimes it has to be done. Um, for the fifth one, um, who has been Stephen Bradley's best project? So, um, there's just so many, isn't there? Um, when he took over in uh, a couple of years ago, it was a rebuild was done straight away. Um, it took us until 2019 to get the team in good shape. Um, I think the oh, oh, this is a hard one because it's telling you to pick one player, but does does two or three definitely in there? Um, Graham Book is definitely one of them. Um, we can't we he came back from Aston Villa, back back to Ireland to play, um, and then went to Rovers, um. At the start, he got set, well, he got the red card against the Dundalk away. I think it was at the start of 2017 up in Audio Park, beating 2 1. Uh, we went 2 0 down, he scored a lovely little chip. Um, then, obviously, uh, he got said, well, he did get sent off against Pats at home. I think it was at home, and the fans were just starting to turn on him. So he uh, he he issued an apology to all the fans, and obviously as we do, we accept it. Um, but um, when he went to Preston, it was like it's, it's good for him. Couldn't get into Alex Neil, so he came back on loan, and then Preston let him go by his contract, and then now he's back with us. But obviously he's had a. Tough season, I think, with injuries and and all that confidence. Um, but definitely, Grindberg could be definitely up there. Um, and then probably another one, Peacock. Um, did he's been our like a great wall of showing at the bike. Um, yet the red card against Balls. Personally, I don't think it was a red card, but. He's been such a great, great player for us. Um, the goals in Europe, the, the big performances and the big games up in Tala and outside of Tala. Um, very good, consistent player um, who doesn't lack confidence was. So if I had to pick two, that would probably be me, me, um, me best two. Um, so I'd like to thank um, Tatsu and Me East End for giving me the questions and 
um, hopefully my answers um, will be the right ones for everyone out there. Hi lads, uh, Bill Gleeson here. Um, Rovers books, I have a few. I've got the Hoops book from the 90s. I've got a few of Robert's other books, the Four in a Row, Chronological History, the FAI Cup book. I've got Carl and McDara's book, Talatime, and I've owned Rice's book. Uh, looking forward to the uh, the new one that's coming out as well. Um, my favourite of all those would probably be the Hoops book from the 90s, just the uh, the level of detail I went into. Um, at the time I read it, I would no idea of much of Robert's history beyond the 80s. So, yeah, that... Uh, definitely that last book i read wasn't a football book it was called a furious devotion i was a biography of shane mcgowan from the pogues i'd highly recommend it i prefer a kindle um i do like a physical book but uh, convenience of the kindle uh, for travel and all that kind of thing has me hooked um international football yeah i follow it uh, follow ireland of course uh it, Rovers would still be the number one, but Ireland's given me some great, uh, great days out, great memories. Uh, the tournaments in the eighties and the nineties, uh, just given memories to, to last forever. I was lucky enough to be at the World Cup matches in nineteen ninety four in America. Uh, never forget those. I've had season tickets. I don't at the moment, but I've just bought tickets uh, for myself and my lads for the Portugal game in November. Um, title winning nights. My first one um, was 1994 uh, on a, a desperately rainy day in the RDS, uh, a Wednesday afternoon in the RDS. We'd beaten Shells the previous weekend. We were playing them. It was a kind of three-way tie between ourselves, Shelburne and Cork, I think. And um, yeah, we'd beaten them well on the Friday night out in Talca. We were playing them again in as I said, on a desperate bog of a pitch um, at the RDS, uh, brutal weather. We went 2-0 up, I think, fairly quickly. Uh, then they came back, scored. They had a couple of ex-hoops playing from Vinnie Arkins and Barry O'Connor, uh, players about liked at the time. And, um, yeah, very, very nervy. Uh, so when the uh, final whistle went, it was pitch invasion time. So we were, I think, you know, the main body of fans would have been the Anglesey Terrace at the time. So to do a pitch invasion from the Anglesey Terrace, you had to get over a wall, a fence, and a hedge. So, like, as I said, it was lashing rain. So by the time you got over this fucking hedge, it was like Beecher's Brook at Aintree. Uh, there was bodies everywhere. Uh, people fucking bedraggled. But we all eventually got into the centre circle. Great celebrations, which continued into the Horseshoe House then for the uh, the rest of the day uh, and the night. So I wouldn't remember too much after that um i was away for the wins in 2010 and 2011 watched them from abroad uh 2020 i was around for um i was uh, a volunteer role and uh was at the pats game i think where the uh the title had been confirmed by harps beating bows i think it was and then the trophy lift uh, at, uh, later on that week. I think it was against Derry. But uh, yeah, I mean, they, it was great to be there, of course. Very, very lucky and privileged and happy to be there. But it was, uh, it, you know, seeing a full stadium uh, celebrate uh, celebrate the hoops is something I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to do. I haven't been on any of the road trips so far for, uh, for various reasons. Um, uh, just different commitments on different nights, but I'm hoping to get down to Waterford and also to Daily Mount, uh, 
once that uh, particular stance falls away. Um, regarding the away fan saga, I do think um, the club had every right to expect that the uh, 4,000 seats that we had available would be filled by home fans. Um, now, uh, as I just said, I think all that tit for tat will fall away as kind of financial and licensing realities come home uh, to bite. Um, regarding the, uh, the 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 project, um, uh, you know the the improvements there. You know you'd look at the likes of Pico Lee, Berkey, as well as the you know the younger lads coming through the academy like Gavin Bazuno and Edomo Maku. But I honestly think the greatest development and like you know the the the, the prize of the project has nearly been Stephen himself. Um, when he took the job, he was essentially I think I think. He was the 19s coach, didn't have any badges. Um, he gutted the team a couple of times and rebuilt it a couple of times. Uh, he had everyone on his back, um, you know, uh, for, for as recently as a couple of years ago. But now he's he's, he's done what Rovers managers are, are there to do, to win trophies for Rovers. He's uh, hopefully two leagues, a cup, um, which I think puts him... You know, maybe alongside Bucco and Perth, I don't think any other manager in the in the league is near. And Bucco and Perth will be out at the end of the season. Uh, they're on Shugley pegs. Um, he's as well as the trophies he's building are you know being part of building the structures in the club that the footballing structures that support all this. Um, the, you know the structures, the attitudes, the behaviour of the the, the 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 players coming up. The, the project uh, got a lot of stick from a lot of places, but it delivered exactly what it said it would. The league-winning team, Champions League football. And it wouldn't have done that without the uh, the continuity from the uh, from the top. Cheers, lads. Yeah, so Phelan, Janino and Billy Boy Gleeson recovered from a bout of COVID himself and Janino, the main man. Very, very funny fella. Very dry, funny fella. <laughs> He's a good kid. Yeah, good to see Janino make his, his podcast debut there. And of course, audio descriptive supremo and uh, rebel man, yeah. Phelan, of sure, course. Sure wasn't Phelan like heavily involved with the uh, Come On You Boys in Green. Yeah, yeah. Still yeah. is, I think, isn't he? Plus he's yeah. main man, one of the main men I could tell but as well. We'll be eyeing you up, Phelan, for a spot on our next award show and one of our live shows. Right, so Longford Prof. One nil at a drenched Bishop. Gate on Saturday night, uh, Brazil rang the changes. Yeah, we had a few. <laughs> <laughs> so we had, uh, yeah, Oidemo and McCann. That was their first star since August. Uh, Joey's first star since September 3rd in Batty Buffet. Yeah, Joey, yeah. When he shouldn't have been playing that night anyway, he was, uh, injury was, was bad. But uh, Neil Frugge's first star of the season. We called it as well, didn't we? Yep. Uh, Duffy came on we called Oidemo as well actually hashtag Brad's a listen <laughs> Duffy came on uh, that was actually his second appearance of the season uh, he also came on as a sub in Derry in July and uh, absolutely amazing post by Peter Richardson ahead of this game when Longford because initially they didn't release any more tickets yep they ended up giving us another wonder or so wasn't it and uh, Peter in a huff just goes Ah, it's a dead rubber game, so Longford can fuck off. I watched the game on, on LOI TV. <laughs> a dead rubber game. We needed six points to win the title. Oh, man. That is incredible. He's a legend. So, Prof, 
prov or prof or prov. We left from the four profs, and it was uh, fantastic once again. Um, or as Woody calls it, the four Protestants. <laughs> this guy gets better every trip. I swear to God. Honestly, I'm gonna plant a bug on myself and just record the absolute shite talk that the two of us come out with. We're saving the world. Me and him are gonna save the world, cure hunger, um, run the government. We're gonna do it all. We're superheroes. I I believe you. Uh, but, yeah, um, so great stuff. Four problems, great spot. Really is. And do you know what? The Guinness is getting better. They're perfecting it. I don't even drink the puddle anymore. Rings end to have boys to be happy. The Guinness is too nice. It's a fabulous <laughs> point. Certainly is. Yeah, yeah. So I'm in, I'm in the four provinces, and um, I'm, I'm in the jacks. And I just hear a conversation outside the stall, and uh, someone not on Airbus, just a just a local in the pub, and he's chatting to Aussie Nay, and just hear him say, "You're from bleeding Australia, and you funny rovers." <laughs> Absolutely fascinated by this. Oh man, no, Nay's responses are normally better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so uh, really good stuff, and once again, four problems is the best spot in Dublin Twelve, hot bit of talent, and the bus prof. Uh, absolutely jam-packed once again Sweat City It was roasting And that's just the way it is on these buses And you know what, it didn't make it better because it was kind of rain and, and it was damp And then everybody's just sweating on each other I didn't think it was terrible That's because you were back in the office chilling with your feet <laughs> No, that that one the first ones we ran to Derry That was where we thought we'd that die was, Yeah, we we all gave up We just kind of yeah. sat back and goes, we're going to slip into cold, cold death now but uh, yeah, no, great yeah. stuff. Yeah, Carol Kearns did a record me on Instagram, just a picture of me supping my point, saying he's back. He is back. But, I, um, I was, yeah, I was no. out of isolation a few days at this point, thankfully. But uh, Gar was dressed like Ray Whedon. <laughs> but yeah, it was Halloween, prof. It's Halloween, you have to dress up. <laughs> uh, now uh, the wax jacket got, got. I knew it. I knew it was going to piss rain, so the wax jacket got a little air and out, and it, it worked well in the end. But my God, that was a wet, wet day. Yeah. But the bus is always great, um, crack prof. We actually did well to get there in the time that we did. It's a short one, of the shorter trip. Isn't yeah, it? it's so. a two hour one. So, 215, I think we got there. Good going considering the pit stops and mm-hmm. all the messing. I, I wasn't really thinking about a, a banjo before Manhattan winner. But. Never, I never see these things. I'm more of a top of the bus guy now, having drunken conversations with, with comrades. <laughs> so, I can't say I noticed this person. <laughs> Being particularly drunk around, but just purely for this image, I think he should win the award. And Spragsy. That's Sean Sprague for having his top off in the rain yeah. for the whole 90 Spragsy minutes. Spragsy was, yeah, Spragsy gets it. Spragsy yeah. gets banjo before Monaghan this week. Yeah, he was very good. And then the Shannon Bar Prof, we finally got there, and uh, this is a cracker of a spot. So I think it was me and Maloney doing a bit of a recon, and we're looking around, we saw Keenan's, and then uh, I just rang the Shannon Bar, and I just said, here, listen. There's a couple of elderly Rovers fans coming up looking for a quiet drink. <laughs> Is there any chance you can let us in? Yeah, no problem. So we got the outside of the bar. Big, huge, probably big uh, smoking area. Very, very, very cool. Very cool. It's going to be a regular haunt for Rovers fans in Longford, but maybe not not next season. What? <laughs> yeah, that was actually a grand spot. Really cool, wasn't it? Um, I got my burger there rather than the ground. Um, yeah, Prof, here's the thing with you, Prof. You don't... Include that as your review now. I asked you, I says, how, how are you getting on? You're like, it count. Which you have a point to it. It doesn't count though. Because it's not in the ground. No. It's outside the ground. Sure, look, I was hungry. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I had it there. But, but how uh, was it anyway? Tell us a bit about it. 
I give it a solid seven and a half out of ten. Seven and a half out of ten is good for a Midlands burger. It was a, it was a tasty burger. It was a tasty burger. Uh, every trip now, I get jokes from Wally. He just launches into these terrible jokes. Oh, I didn't get one. Oh, this, I, got, I think I got one. This Go was on. like a dad's jokes drive-by. He just he hit me with two as I was eating my burger, and then he was gone. It was just terrible stuff. Like, what do you call an Italian beggar? Do you have any change? <laughs> They're all as bad as that. <coughs> Go on. What's the next one? Oh, I can't remember the others. So, um, yeah, we'd staff's cousin with the finish flag as well. Nice little touch. Yeah, I love this. Nice little douche. Nice little douche. I think we should present it to Joey O'Brien at the Player of the Year Awards. Oh, that could that mightn't go down well. Well, as because he's Finnish. <laughs> no, because he loves Let's that. Stop giving it to him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because he loves that joke. Remember we played at the start of the show a couple of times. Yeah, I love it. I think it's brilliant. And Joey uh, said it back. I think to they me. want to live their lives. He, he finds he found that call absolutely hilarious. The, he's only 28 oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so that's what I mean by hand to him uh, yeah so prof everybody soaked to the bone and of course I went down got an umbrella and forgot it on the bus standard Gareth the, the brolly is crucial the brolly didn't get open once I didn't open that brolly once did the tags on it and everything did you see how many people were huddling under my umbrella yeah by the a few of us a few of us we were all huddling <laughs> I was sitting down and all I was like oh, yeah it's ridiculous. I was absolutely spoiled. At one stage, I had I had Wally, I had Woody, and I had Farky back from the dead. I haven't seen him in a year. What What about that for a band? What a trio! Wally, Woody, and Farky. Yeah, you were you were spoiled for choice there. Farky hit me with the Eastern European politics conversation, and then onto the German football conversation <laughs> about Dynamo Berlin or something like. That. I was like. Forky plays I can barely watch this match I can't be educated right now yeah yeah some people still drawing out here Jesus it was horrendous wasn't it Dan Fulham started singing we'll never dry <laughs> <laughs> we'll never dry yeah summer league they said oh lord it summer was, it was the worst and you know what the, the king of hindsight can have this one Maloney said bring your brollies he said it he fucking said it I, I looked in the stands or the Terrace. I think I saw four brodies. Like, what are you thinking, man? And he sent the screenshot. One hundred percent. One hundred percent got a piss rain for the game. <laughs> I was trying to think: is that the worst ever away day weather for me? No. And I wasn't in Modena. Yeah, I wasn't in Modena. I wasn't in Martin. You were. Martin you were, is. You were by there, far the worst. That that Martin was bullet rain. That was three hours. And it was relentless bullet rain where it was kind of sore. But this was... I just kind of stopped in the middle of the second half as well, so... Do you know what was bad as well? Stephen Kenny's first game, Charles Dundalk. We went to Oriel. First day of 2013. That was horrible. It was I, just a constant... I remember 5-1 being pretty shit. I remember sitting down with an umbrella. I remember thinking that was yeah. pretty shit as well. But, um, um, yeah, some people actually went to the pub at half-time. <laughs> they, could, they couldn't take it half time try yeah. before the match even started <laughs> the rest of us uh, braved the elements but uh, good atmosphere regardless wasn't it, it was I mean, deadly the best atmosphere ever with an away trip without a stand or without a roof over our head good show without and that was Eden that's Eden show Eden uh, ultra pal 100% without a doubt can't, we, can't. So we had the new song that was constantly going we had, we had a few flares what a tune 
What a tune. What a trip. I love when that happens. You coin a new song. We said we would. We said we fucking would. <laughs> and we did. Um, you look over in the stand, actually. Like Longford put out a tweet a couple of hours before kickoff, kind of warning people, don't sh- don't show up without a ticket. You won't be let in. And then you look over in the stand. And what like, Was that a quarter full? We were nearly close to rushing it, weren't we? We were thinking... We could have fit in there with them. Yeah, we could it we was that we were thinking, We were thinking, let's get this stand. Let's take it. <laughs> But yeah, no, big shout out, big, big shout out to the Bear, Conor Foley, 110 minutes for Glenmalore, and then Boogie on down with Barry, an episode mm. after the after the game. See, the dancing bear, he was absolutely amazing. See him with the shirt open and the cross, he's like Conor Soprano now. Absolute sex machine. The Boogie mm. on down with Barry. <clears throat> As for uh, Mr. Baloney, the star of Pramon, uh, got the better of him. Oh, well. I didn't even know he was drinking the beer. I thought he was on the Guinness. I don't know why he went for that, actually. Because normally he's a Guinness man. But my God, Star Pramon is rocket fuel. And just on Maloney, uh, obviously very sad. It was Ray Whelan passed on the news to us on the day. He said that uh, Johnny and Jason's dad, Shirley, uh, passed away in the morning. He said, a lovely man, a great hoop who travelled the country, but it's right to the end. So, R.I.P. Shirley. Yeah, um, a hoop. A Hoops family that has been drenched in Hoop folklore for years and years and years. And top, top Hoops produced a fantastic Hoop like Maloney and Johnny. And um, it's just hard to really talk about it. So um, we'll just say rest in peace and condolences to the Maloney's and all their friends and family. Fair play to Finner and the, and the players and the staff. They send in some, some messages of condolences, which is a really nice touch as well. So we do. We send out our condolences deep, deep, and hopefully, um, hopefully they can cope. So, Prof, we we'll move on to a lighter subject with Nate and his scoreboard stats. Nate's a scoreboard guy, isn't he? Yeah, he brings us up every way again, doesn't he? He he wants to know which grounds do and do not have these scoreboards. <laughs> uh, Longford obviously don't. I think Harps introduced one only this year, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. So, do you think he's got like a notepad at home? Is he keeping track of this or? Back at school, boys. <laughs> yeah, I'd imagine so. Yeah. You wouldn't know him, but shelter stats, prof. That's what I, I, I was going to suggest you. I mean, it was shelter stats. You know, like Bray doesn't have one, Longford doesn't have one. Wa- Waterford does. Harps now, obviously. Harps no, Longford no. Um, Drogheda surprisingly does. I think it's the one of the worst grounds in the country. Mm. One of the best for atmosphere, though. True, you can, get, you can generate an atmosphere in there, but I think just the, the view is shit. And they've got a tiny little stand. One of the best ones is Limerick or Treaty. Treaty's is brilliant. Limerick is great. I remember what someone... view? View of the church? I think it might have been Jason, actually, himself. He said, it'd be great to win a league in Limerick. Oh, my God. Because so many people can fit around the stand and just... Oh, big, big stand. At least deadly. 2,000, yeah. Get them in there. Yeah, so good stuff, anyway. Yeah, so as for the game itself, Gar, I mean, as someone said... Uh, all better off in conditions like that as to what kind of game it's going to be and as for the what game it was well you know a lot happened and actually just going to hand this off to you Gary. Just can no. you can you just give us no. the report on the match there not a chance do you, do you honestly think I can give you any sort of report on this game no Gary, I'm I'm relying on you for this oh, yeah. I have not prepared <laughs> a report of this match Honestly, uh, uh, about I only, I only found out Joey was playing about sixty minutes in. All right, 
How can I comment on this? <laughs> right? Surely there's someone we can we can get to help us out. Gary, I'm I can say in all sincerity, I have no idea what happened in this match. <laughs> I saw the goal, right? Apparently there was a double save by Alan Manis in the first half. Did you see that? I saw the double save. Double save was very, very good, right? And that's about it. Gar missed the goal. <laughs> of course you missed the goal. That's classic Parsons. Gar, I was just I was under my body. I had all these crazy characters around me. <laughs> I was trying to endure it. I just wanted to get back in the bus and go uh, home. Why did I why did I surround you for story time? <laughs> why are you such a magnet for story time? Between Forky, Woolly, Wally, the whole lot, you are just a magnet for fucking story time. <laughs> it was horrendous conditions. Hell, uh, what are we doing now? If we've ne- we've th- never done a show without a report of the game. If only there was some sort of dirty ex-player who racked up cards beyond belief, torn pundit who could give us a dig out. So, Prof, this is off memory, having watched the game. You see what you think, because I think my memory's going to be a lot better a bit about the game than you and Gar there, considering the state is running at the weekend. It's all right. I'll do your job for you. First half wasn't much to write home about. Conditions weren't great. Rain and wind. Rovers had majority possession. I think 75%. They had 10 shots on target. Or 10 shots on goal. I think four were on target. And Glongford had three on target as well. A couple of things flashed across the box. Nothing really. Probably uh, Rovers dominated the ball. Dominated the game. Or actually probably creating too many clear-cut chances in the game. A couple of shots from McCann, I think, was probably the best of it. Second half, again, game started similar. Longford sitting in. Shamrock Rovers trying to break them down, moving the ball side to side, trying to get involved in the game. Uh, then on this, I think it was the 62nd minute, triple substitution. The lads came on. Watts, Mandroyu and Bourke. And in the 65th minute, um, it was probably the one time in the game, game that Longford went high. Um, they had obviously played in a low block for the majority of the game. It's the one time they probably had a little bit of space in behind them. Gaffney makes a clever run. Benzie runs, stays onside. It's actually the the right back that keeps him onside. Um, Bork is the one that plays it. Mandroyu shows an amazing turn of pace then to get in on the end of it. Probably should score. It's not like Danny. I think he, he normally scores from that, um, from that distance. Uh, ball spills back out to Bork, who would obviously follow his, his pass and made it into the box, and he, he volleys the ball low into the ground, and it goes through the goalkeeper's legs. The goalkeeper, Stacey, goes through his legs, and won, that's Rovers 1-0 up. Uh, Longford had a couple of half chances later on, and probably from corner kicks. Nothing really, just pressure, nothing that Rovers probably couldn't handle, and then they see out the game. There's not much else in the game, really, uh, other than probably the fact that you two are in such a state that you couldn't even remember it, and you had to call in me to do the report for the match. So, and another win on Friday night, and that sees us home and hosed, and hopefully you might remember a bit of that game. To be honest, I expect it from Gar. I don't expect it from you, Prof. You're a stats man. You've got to, you've got to be on the game here, bud, you know. But such a life out is paired of donuts. I see things that nobody else sees. Yeah, so Prof, we got a roasting off Garts, deservedly so. Um, Gareth, I've, I've let down Garts. I the, challenge the, anyone to tell us, give us a synopsis of that game who was at that match. I remember going back in the bus and Carol Curran just saying, I still stand by 
that is the worst first half of football I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I love Gar Cairns <laughs> has these stingers every so often. Yeah. And they just ring home. Um, yeah, it's... This is a low point for me in the podcast, though. I've let down Garrett's. Honestly, if there had a bit of bus or any sort of transport available 10 minutes into that game or any pub, I was <laughs> gone. We endured it, though. Shows you. We endured it. And we were really so because the second half was electric from the Ultras. What a fucking performance from the Ultras. <clears throat> uh, Garrett's added something, actually. He says... He has a saying... That he, he says he says this to his, uh, his under-14s that he coaches. He has a saying about holding your runs as a second forward. And that is, The early bird gets the worm. The second mouse always gets the cheese. Oh! And he said that the burke all reminded him of that saying. Oh, wow, I like that. That's pretty cool. Uh, so, instant, imp- instant impacts by, by Berkey. Uh, he was only on the pitch three minutes, wasn't he? Burkey, as a, and do you know what? We just, we just seem to be able to do this. We just seem to be able to slot in a player who hasn't played in weeks, and then he just strokes home a goal, a winner in Longford in the rain. Deadly. Yeah. So we beat them four times this season, all by a one-goal margin. Three of them were late, of course. Uh, did you did you see they they sent their goalkeeper up for a corner at the end? I saw that. They're relegated. That stinks, doesn't it? That shows you. Everyone wrong. If there is something that encapsulates the hatred for Rovers around this league <laughs> is a relegated Longford goalkeeper going up for a corner in the 90th minute trying to take the title and points off of us so we cannot succeed. That is heaven. <laughs> I am in love right now. It's amazing. It's amazing. And it's Pico's best mate as well. Pico's best mate is that goalie. Lee Stacey. Yeah. Didn't know that. Um, so yeah, that brought us one step closer, Gar, to the Magic 19. So, full-time prof, yeah? Magic 19. Do you know what? Do you ever see when... Do you know when zombies shuffle towards... When they're in a herd and zombies shuffle towards like a, an object or somebody? That is what happens when everybody left, heads down, and everyone's just shuffling towards the bus. <laughs> And they're gone. But then it kicked off outside the bus as well. All the songs and the flares and everything. So, brilliant bus home. Great crack. The usual sing songs. We got the old school songs. <laughs> we took the shed in a half a minute. That was brilliant. <laughs> that one got a ring out as well. All the old school ones. And then, the argument happened. I tried to get Gary Twig going. This is on the way up actually. I tried to get the Gary Twig of Scotland song going. And people booed. What was that about? Jay Thomas booed it. And then he was heckled by his peers. But this Ooh. will go on. We will. We will go on. And Can he be sorted out in the four provinces after the game of Friday for the 20th anniversary? Game of fisticuffs. Um, yeah, so a strange one anyway. All sorts of new songs. We had Sean Gannon, which obviously I think is just... It's it's a rip-off of the Dundalk one just to mm. kind of take the piss out of them. Is that what it is? I think so, yeah. Yeah. But there's a couple of crackers. Idemar's a new one. Yeah, couldn't tell you how it goes now. No. Just, I just remember there was a song for him. I just remember hearing a Mark. I was like, oh, they're singing a Mark song. <laughs> Even James Donnelly had one for him. Uh, Robbers two, they're coming for you. Um, I won't repeat the rest of the lyrics. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah, brilliant stuff. And unfortunately, we have a phone here, guys. Anybody lost a phone? It is an iPhone, a black one. 
I won't tell you what the screensaver is. You tell me. If you lost your phone, tell me what the screensaver is. Anyone can try and claim it. Yeah, I say give this until Friday. Because after that, they obviously don't care about this phone. Yeah. Like, like it's a strange one, isn't it? I think give it until Friday. After that, we use it for the Tifty's hotline. Oh, Tifty's hotline official phone. And we set up a cheesy answering machine and all. Yeah, so brilliant stuff again, Prof. And we were we, supposed to go back to Tala, but then I don't know what happened. Do you, I caved. You, you changed their mind. I caved into peer pressure. I caved into point pressure. <laughs> it was great for me. Caved <laughs> into point pressure. And then the Aussie Nate was giving out to me and I had to say sorry to him. So I gave him... I, I was, so, I was sorry. But yeah, no, it, these things happen. These things happen. And it just made more sense because everybody was going to the pub and it was going crack. So. Mm. No, I was delighted. But uh, yeah, me and Woody ended up having the. And Ozzy Nay, he was there with us too. A deep, deep discussion <sighs> about hair and beards. It gets so deep. Gary, this, this was a solid hour discussion. Woody has a. On beards. A haired. Or he has beard on his. Like, what's a beard? What's a combination of hair and beard? That is the exact same texture and feel as, as the one. Do you know what I mean? It's called he's, woodiness. He's got beards, on, beard on his head. Does that make sense? <laughs> he's got beard hair on his head. He's just so woolly. And then an hour into it, like Barry used to my left, and he has his mates there, and Barry just turns to me and he goes, "What are you guys talking about?" And I'm like, "No, still, still the beards." Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's a he's brilliant, brilliant. I love the absolute. Shite talk. Away day conversations are something that could very possibly end up on a show one day. Nothing to discriminate, nothing to put you off your dinner or to get you in trouble. But my God, the garbage we talk on away trips. <laughs> oh, so yeah, next up, as for talking more garbage, here's the Tifty's Hotline, part two. Yellow. How was it going, lads? Uh, Billy Nolan here uh, with me Tifty's hotline answers. Um, so straight into question one, which was all around books. Um, yeah, might as well from from the outset. Don't read books. Hate books. Haven't got the patience to to, to read books. Uh, but I do have Rover's books up in the attic. Uh, I don't know how many I have. There's probably five or six of them maybe, I don't know, um, I think of Tala Time, uh, I think of the Hoops, History of Rovers, Chronological History of Rovers as well, um, but my first one I think I ever got was The Foreign Row by uh, Robert Goggins, um, and obviously it's probably my favourite one as well, because I don't think I've read three or three or four or whatever to be honest with you, so uh, that was my first one I read, but uh, yeah, look, anything to do with Milltown, Stores the memories, uh, great team, great time to be a Rovers fan, and uh, it's what it's what set me off. So, yeah, the foreign row story by Robert Goggins is probably me uh, will be my favourite Rovers book. As I said, I don't read many books to be honest. Uh, last book I read was uh, Man's Search for Meaning uh, by Victor Frankel. Um, it's about his experiences in a Nazi concentration camp during the war. Uh, yes, yeah, uh, he's how he survived. He was in self-help therapy, 
positivity visualization all that kind of stuff you know um it's a good read to be honest uh, it is a good read uh, i think he wrote always oh, looking the bright side of life as well i probably shouldn't be saying that but uh, yeah so uh yeah the last thing on the books then hard copy book or kindle neither to be honest with you uh just don't have the patience for it uh, question two around international football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm have a good interest in the national team. Have have been going since again probably mid eighties. I'd say going to start off going to Lansdowne Road. I used to start. I used to get a half day with school because the games were always on on a Wednesday afternoon. And you used to obviously with no lights. You used to have to finish school early. So um, yeah, I used to started going then. So went to the World Cup '94. Been to a couple of the Euros, so uh, yeah, I like I like uh, I like going to the to to the Ireland games. So uh, season ticket there or the old block booking it used to be called. So I had my season ticket for years and years. Go there with Martin, me mate, and uh, but definitely not a patch on Rovers. It's uh, for me, it's it, it's club first uh, and then country. Definitely club of, uh, club versus country. Uh, what we say about Ireland, yeah, fucking great way trips and all they say, but just hate the LA LA brigade and the shoes off brigade all them them fucking muppets to be honest with you just can't stand them uh, i do go to a, a good few away games but i you know, just hold up on the bills right now and have a bit of crack with either the locals or a few of the lads in gamut but uh yeah not into the, the old shoes off stuff uh question three was around rovers winning nights and our days so all together we've been lucky of uh witnessed eight i think eight uh eight eight uh eight league winning uh days or nights uh the fourth division throw that in there then that's nine but uh so yeah i think it's far in the 80s uh yeah far in the 80s too man fucking 2010 2011 2020 um but the ones that stand out um as i say 2006 fourth division that was great. That was a great night down in Cove. Uh, had a ball, to be honest. Stayed in the old Radisson Blue there. It was well worth the money just to see Jamie Duffy's suit when the boys were all going back into Cork for a night out. But uh, the one that stands out, 93-94, without a doubt, in the RDS. Uh, I was only saying it to Eamon O'Dowd last week. It was uh, it was the fourth day I went on with me missus, <laughs> believe it or not. I uh, says to her, I fancy going out to see Rovers. So you got the train down from Dundalk, but uh, I, was in, I had to go to work the following day. And my gaffer had said to me, make sure, you know, you're, you're, you're early and you're not late and all that type of stuff. And he ended up leaving the horse show house, I'd say probably half to where one-ish. Ended up having to get a taxi back to Dundalk. So that a money at the time, I think it was £60 or something like that, you know. And uh, the, 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 the memory of that day, the memory of that night is that I asked him, could we stop off in the chipper there at Whitehall? Uh, the airport chipper and i went in like fucking forced day treated i'm ready to smoke hot and chips but it's not money because it was <laughs> the taxi man had it all and in fairness to him he gave me back the money for the uh, two smoke cotton chips <laughs> and uh, two cans of coke uh but yeah great night great day so that'll be me me, me stand out you know but uh look 2010 great night as well out in bray you know um being do a lot just fucking on goal difference was brilliant but uh, that 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 year in the Burlington, I I, uh, I bid on Neil Fenn's jersey. Uh, it was a good night. I got a Neil Fenn's jersey in the auction, and the only reason I, I bid on his one was this fucking sicking me me misses or two brothers. They're two uh, two season ticket holders at Dundalk, and they're 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 fucking vile, you know. But uh, so I got Neil Fenn's jersey because you might remember he he ditched them. 
and he came he said he was giving up football for personal reasons and uh he signed for us three days later so I got his jersey just to get a picture and uh <laughs> gave them a copy of it but uh yeah but look yeah 2010 good memories as well but definitely you know definitely 90 uh 93 94 for me was me was me uh was me standout uh title day um away days have i been back yet i've been to been to finn harps obviously up to Ariel um over in sligo down a couple of weeks ago um so look you know yeah it's sligo's becoming the one for me to be honest it's my favorite away day it's only two hours in the house just over two hours same as Derry, same as finn harps for me so uh yeah it was good uh, it was great to be back sure look you'd seen everybody anyway back in Tala, but uh yeah people obviously you think you know yes i behave a bit differently on away days so uh the crack was good over there uh great result as well obviously rory getting the winner but uh i think it was about 19 20 degrees left left on dark that day about one o'clock and uh got over to sligo then and uh, we stopped out for something to eat the usual got the sligo and it was fucking pissing rain it was dark it was about 12 about 12 degrees we ended up having to go into a charity shop and <laughs> bought a jacket for eight quid so but, uh yeah it's fucking stupid things you do uh ticket situation yeah look the dirty one yeah it amused me to be honest i thought we should have given them a, a few tickets 1500 tickets you know um I still don't know why we didn't get the tickets to be honest with you but uh, yeah I thought it was bad form but uh, the other lot nah fuck them you know no, give them nothing but uh, look it just gives Jimmy Rabbit fucking other reasons to talk about us I suppose over there you know but uh, yeah but it's getting a bit it's getting a bit silly you know the ticket situation you know look at, look at the game last night you know fucking no no away fans only 100 whatever and uh, everything you still get in you know so uh, yeah it's a bit it's a bit farcical to be honest with you you know um, a bit farcical but uh, last question then around the Project Bradley yeah um Protege or whatever, yeah, I would have said Trevor Clark probably, you know. Uh fucking thought Trevor, he was only seventy and eighteen when he when he when he he made his debut for us. Great player, over eighty or ninety games, I think, you know. Um good when he got injured that time, good for him because he, he was he was playing so well and he, he would come on, he had come on so well. Uh really, really hard. But outside of him, I'd say my number one, I suppose, is Dylan Watts over the last number of years under under Bradley. You know, he turned into a real fucking, real box-to-box player, you know. Doesn't do mad stuff, but defensively sound, going forward sound, you know, good feet, good two feet, you know. Uh, he's quick, he's good pace, uh, gets in and mixes it, you know, tight defensively and so on and so forth. But uh, we think he's chalk and cheese than where he was three years ago, four years, three years ago, whenever he joined us. Um, and I just showed when we missed him earlier in the season, to be honest as well. We missed him uh, when he was out injured. So uh, I'd say, yeah, definitely Dylan Watts for me would be uh, would be uh, my, sort of my favourite project, Bradley. So that's it, lads. Yeah, I'm going to bed and uh, have a great week. Hey, lads. Eamon McConville here. Thanks for having me on. And as always, thanks for the podcast. It's uh, essential listening for those of us living abroad, as I do. So thanks. Uh, I've no idea how many Rovers books I have here with me in the States. Uh, we just moved house. Two have made it out of the boxes so far. I'd say between myself and my dad, we probably have ten. Um, the two that are here with me uh, are Talatime and She Wore Green Ribbon. And Talatime is my favourite because I left Ireland in 2009. And so Talatime is a great, uh, great chronicle of some really important years for the club that I unfortunately missed large chunks of. So thanks for that, Prof and McDara. The last non-Rovers book I read 
was Martha and George. It's about two hippos who live together, and it's my daughter's current favourite. Uh, the last non-picture book I read was Michael Lewis's The Premonition. He's the author of Moneyball and The Big Short, and it's a, an account of sort of the formulation uh, in the US of the strategy to fight pandemics. Um, so it's a great read. Definitely recommend it. Uh, international football I've gone back and forth on, to be honest. I was more into it when I was living at home and sort of fell out of love with it for various reasons. One, because I'd left. Two, Saipan probably, but, but probably most importantly, just uh, the FAI uh, and their neglect of football in the country and then you know pumping big money into big name managers for the national team to suit their own you know, their own agendas and to get to tournaments so John Delaney could weasel his way further into UEFA and FIFA. I just couldn't really justify supporting the, the team while all that was going on. So I'm getting more into it again now. Uh, the Rovers call-ups have helped a lot. The increasing number of League of Ireland connections in the team is great. Uh, you know, it's a shame how it's worked out for Jack Byrne, I think. You know, if he hadn't injured his back and gotten COVID, he'd probably be first choice number 10. And we could use someone like him in the team. So it's uh, shame how it worked out. I hope he can bounce back. And would I go to games if I was living at home? Yeah, I would. Um, but if the choice was between the national team and Rovers, it's Rovers all day long. Uh, in terms of league winning nights, uh, I was born in 84, so I'm, but in September. So I missed the, the league win in 84. Uh, I was there in 86 and 87, possibly 85. Definitely there in 94. Uh, but, you know, I was 10 at the time. Rovers to me at, at that, that age was something, something I did with my dad, but I wasn't, you know, the obsession hadn't really developed at that point. Um, so 2006, the first division league win is probably the first, the biggest sort of, or one of my favorite memories following Rovers. Uh, just the joy of bouncing back and getting promoted straight away after the pain of relegation was, fantastic and it was a great night in Cove so that's probably one of my favourite all-time Rovers nights um, as I said I left in 2009 uh, that was tough because we'd gotten so close uh, I flew back for the, the night in Bray in 2010 it's a slightly different feeling for me than the first division win because I hadn't been there all year I didn't feel like I deserved to celebrate in, in a way but it was still a great night uh, and I've missed the last two unfortunately uh, I missed 2011 couldn't make it back and missed last year for obvious reasons um potentially i've missed three now depending on when you, you air this so um yeah I'll, I'll, I'll hopefully be back for the next one um it's, it's been tough to miss particularly last year i loved the team last year so it's tough to miss out on that but it's been tough on everyone so um away days i've made it to none um unfortunately i couldn't go last year obviously this year i thought i might make it back but having a baby it's just been hard and the restrictions and stuff it's been hard to, to, to get back so next season I'll be there and hopefully be bringing my daughter to her first game as well uh, the allocation for away fans I just think has been mishandled by by us by everybody I think all the clubs should have sat down and formulated a plan for this together you know um, as much as I understand why clubs and why we want to look after our own first Foremost, I think that should include away fans. So, you know, away days are a big part of follow of football. Um, it's good for the team to have supporters there on away days, and it's it's a huge part of you know football football culture, I suppose. So, 
Um, I'm disappointed that all the clubs didn't sit down and say, listen, we'll do 5%, um, even with reduced capacity. So it's just been frustrating and, and kind of sad to see League of Ireland clubs failing to cooperate. I wish we'd kind of led the way as well. So uh, overall, just disappointed in it. And hopefully we can put it behind us and get back to normal in the next season and later in the season. So uh, in terms of projects, I think the obvious answers are, are Pico and McInef who probably increased their, their level of play and style of play um, the most. But I'm going to throw out two other names. Uh, and I'll go with Big Al and Aaron Green. So Big Al has said he, he came back to take on the challenge of, of learning the way we play and, and, and changing the style of you know, his, own, his own game. His distribution has been come on leaps and bounds. It's been great to see, especially at his age. And it's a huge credit to himself and the coaching staff. So... Big Al and then Aaron Green, uh, I didn't want back at the club, to be honest. I thought it was, it was a borderline sackable offence to bring him back after his first spell. But, I mean, he's been fantastic. He was uncommitted and limited and lazy in his first spell, and he's anything but now. He's definitely last year integral to the, the, the league win, the way we played, uh, integral to the cup win as well. Uh, so he's, he's just been a fantastic servant now at this point. Uh, seems like, you know, a real Rovers man at this point. So hopefully he's with us now next season as well. So yeah, I'll go with Big Al and Aaron Green. Hello, Graham Merrigan here for Tales from the East Stands Hotline. Um, books, Rovers books. My favourite one. I don't, I have the one that Owen Rice did. I think it was in 2012. Um, and I have a chronological history from Robert Goggins. And I have Tala Times from McDera and Carl. And that would be my favourite. Um Tala Times. Um because yeah. Yeah, no, it's my favourite because I relate to a lot of it. Um I'm not a big book reader though. Um I do find that I I get the nods uh, when I'm reading and I'd nod off drill everywhere in the book, opening my face. Um I would prefer a book. Than a physical book than a than a Kindle if I was to have a preference. Um the last book I read was non football. It was uh Sinead O'Connor's autobiography, which was interesting and sad and yeah, it was good. Um yeah, I have a huge interest in the international team, uh, as much as Rovers. I would follow the international team abroad as well. I was at the Georgia Switzerland double header. Um Two awful games, but um, they were they were good good trips. George is a mad kip, um, so yeah, I would follow the international team as much as Rovers. Uh, title winning nights have I been to Rovers title winning nights Bray and UCD. I was that uh, too young for the ninety four winning. Uh, I can't remember it. Like um, UCD was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I remember the drive home was brilliant as well. There was a uh, Rovers lads driving home with the scarves out the window. It was class in the N11. Um, so the UCD memory was, yeah, that was that was brilliant. And I think that night as well, I did a lot of the subs and a lot of the lads that weren't injured were up in the wheelchair section. So Pajot was obviously there. He might have been suspended though. Uh, Twiggy was there. I think Chris Turner was there as well. It was great crack. Um so yeah, the UCD was brilliant. Um away days so far this season. I've done Finn Harps, Sligo, 
Um, Longford. I, I've done what I've done the away matches that we've been given an allocation. So, and I intend on <coughs> intend on going to Waterford as well. Um, I think the away fans is crucial in all the matches. Um, so the sooner the better we 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 get back to normal with uh, giving away teams allocations. My opinion on the club not giving any away allocation is I think it's the wrong decision. I don't know where the decision has come from. I don't know. <clears throat> no, I think we were told it was an executive decision. So um, I, I, I think it's bullshit. Um, and you could, like when Bo scored the other night in Tallaght, like it was just silence. It was just shit. Like, um, and you want that rivalry with the away fans. Um, so yeah, I've done I've done all the away trips. I think that we're we were allowed to do this season. Um, Stephen Bradley's best project. Okay, this is a hard one. Um, I think Jack Bourne was um a great success under Brad Bradzer's tutelage. And as far as he reportedly came with an attitude, um, you know, he admits that Joey O'Brien had to give him a, a few verbals. And it all seemed to have been like, you know, he kind of like, he took it on the chain, you know, that way. And then Bradzer made him into an international. Like, we say that about Graham Burke as well, you know, coming home from England, you know, not thinking maybe your football is, is over and then Bradley giving you the, the space and the time to to play football and then he gets another move back to England then he gets an international goal then he gets a few caps you know so I think Jack Bourne and and, and Graham Bourke were were good and I think Dylan Watts has shown now I think Dylan came to us as a good player but I think he's shown this season uh, that he is capable of being that playmaker um, that he probably didn't get the opportunity to do on when Jack Bourne and Aaron McInniff were playing. So, yeah. Thank you. Awesome story. My name is Nathan Dongo. I've never actually owned a Rovers book or read one, to be honest. So, I think that would be on the list. Um, the last book I read would have been Carl Moore and Blazing Squad. That was a good read. I'd rather read a book like the actual physical cover than a Kindle. I think I'd be too distracted on a Kindle. Um, I'm not really a big fan of international football now. Like Ireland are all right, like so I'd have rovers all day over watching Ireland. I've seen three title wins Bray and UCD and then the Colvin one. So the Colvin one won't really stick out to me but my favourite one now would be UCD. I don't think I got a ticket for the original games and it got postponed to the midweek. Then I was able to get a ticket and it was fucking unbelievable. Being 1 0 down and then the last few minutes you're on the pitch celebrating and all. Oh, it was fucking great. I've done the last three away trips now Longford, Longford, Finhaps, and Sligo. And my favourite one would be Sligo. I love the showgrounds. Decent away stand. Atmosphere is always great. Um, Longford was wasn't the best game, but the fans were unreal and the fucking lashings are in. Um, the standout project player for me under Bradley would probably be Jack Bourne. 
because I think he was the difference to us winning the league and like just to get him playing again at that level as well and then the deserved move he got is just stand out for me like the other players now like Pico I think Pico was coming along great but Jack Bone would be the one for me Alright lads it's Woolly here um, I have two Rovers books on my bookshelf Talat Time by MacDara Ferris and Carl Riley and I have Own Races and Oral History Shamrock Rovers as well the last book I read by chance was actually a football book Simon Cooper's Barca The Rise and Fall of the Club That Built Modern Football it's a top quality book if you get the chance give it a read um, I prefer a physical book myself to be honest never went in for, for the Kindles I'd rather have something in my hand that I can flick through um, yeah I'm interested in the national team not to the same level as Rovers, but I do go to the games and generally have a season ticket. Um, I was in Bray in 2010, which was class, and I was in UCD in 2011. I particularly remember the night in UCD because I lost my shoe when Dean Kelly scored and I didn't find it again until half the crowd cleared out of standing onto the pitch at the final whistle. Um, I've been to Sligo and I did Longford yesterday, uh, both on the 50s bus. Uh, great crack being back at away games. Can't be beaten. Um, suffering for it today though uh, I think we should have given Derry an allocation to be honest but the other lot they can jog on it was a reduced capacity and we had enough demand from our own fans so I agree with that decision there for the Bowes game um, Bradley's improved a phenomenal amount of players he's moved on now but Liam Scales improvement was phenomenal uh, but I'd have to say Gary Neal myself the man has improved no ends and does a huge amount of on-scene work I think he's a fantastic player and Bradley's getting the best out of him Keep on hooping. So Billy Nolan, behind enemy lions, still exiled in the dark. Eminem, a.k.a. Taha Hoop, our beer buddy on the old farm. Uh, Meryl, and of course, Nathan Dongo. Good old Nathan Dongo, good old pal of the, of the podcast. A tifties ever present and woolly, of course. So uh, a good one, Prof. Some top, top hoops. And again, Gary, I don't mean to, to brag about this, but I think we really show our inclusivity on this show um, because normally these people and you know exactly who I mean uh, these people are very underrepresented in media you know they don't mm-hmm. but we're giving them a voice because we're woke like that you know we don't yeah. discriminate you know you know what people I'm talking about Gary? I'm talking about people from Carlo <laughs> we will feature people from Carlo we don't we don't mind that Carlo is I don't know it's, it's not in the same bracket as Kimmage as in, it's not, it's it's not real, and it's like Narnia. I just don't think it's. I don't think you can live in Carlow. It's not hospitable. I think they've run in water. But Woolly will tell us more about that when we get him on again. Yeah, poor fella lost his shoe at UCD when we won the title. There. <laughs> well, uh, well worth it. Well yeah, worth it. the ten-year anniversary was actually um, was it? Yeah, great night, wasn't it? One day, I think it was. Yeah, great night. Billy Nolan actually hates Bukes. Hates them, Gary. Billy Noel hates bukes. He hates bukes. How can you hate a buke? He says he's got tad of time in the attic and it's full of cobwebs. Oh, I'll tell you what, that's a dig at you. That's what that is. I think we need to... I'm going to rough him up. He's been excavation. I'm going to rough him up. To get that copy of tad of time out of there. Yeah. I don't like the image of it full of cobwebs. <laughs> uh, yeah, so other results. Prof, with the cup semis, Pat's beating Dundalk, comprehensively enough. And Bowes beating Waterford. Um... Gar Brennan said, how much do we reckon Kelleher's bankroll pats to the tune of? No doubt that the next few weeks are going to be filled with romanticised shy about how two clubs haven't got a pot to piss in will contest the FAI Cup and there couldn't be a truer 
statement in the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And we all know, but it doesn't sue the narrative prop. It doesn't take pops at Rovers. They have a big budget. We all know they do. They have a big budget, so the balls. But apparently Rovers have the biggest one and then we have to take all the flack. But we gladly take it all in. Like I said, we <coughs> were all leaving the country that day. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I'm interested in the crowd because if you look at the Aviva tenses since it opened in 2010, you've got all these figures up in the 30,000s, some in the high 20s, right? And then you've got the two Pats ones and they're like they're way down like 12, 16,000. Can you imagine the Bowes Pats ratio for this final at the Aviva? Call it actually. It's going to be shocking. Do you think so? Two to one? I don't know. Not willing to make a guess, but they're going to make a show of them. Yeah, they really are. Bowes and Fairness probably will have a massive turnout. It's going to be a wolf fest. Jesus, uh, I hope Pats win. <laughs> God almighty. <laughs> League results, bro. Mm-hmm. Finn Harps 2, Sligo 2, and Boydie on the score sheet again. Excellent stuff from Boydie. Great to see his career starting to pick up. Great comeback from, from Harps in the game. Uh, Drada won. Dirty Nil. What the fuck are Dirty doing? This they, this was their chance. They could have gone third there. This was their chance. Yes, they could have gone third, prop. You just said it. <laughs> Dirty could have gone third. Bowes won. Waterford 2. And we have Mark Bertram on the phone here. And it's uh, live. Boy. Live from Waterford. So Mark, uh, tell us. Were you happy with the with the win against against Bowes? Of course I was fucking happy. <laughs> fucking didn't my granddad play the fucking Bowes in fucking 1960? He had two fucking crappets down here. Fucking two crappets. My fucking granddad. He fucking daddy, man. You wibbly wobbly fucking cat. <laughs> Mr. Bersham there for the history lesson about <laughs> the Bowes and English links in the early yeah, 20th thanks. century. Thanks for that, Mark. Uh, appreciate that um, Wibbly I love that uh, Wordsworth got the winner Because he's the one you know, Drawing all the attention To himself From the officiating <laughs> The yeah. bad officiating um, Bowls are only Five points above Relegation now oh, Suck them in Suck them in There you go But this is a very Impressive team You know Very impressive team mm-hmm. With 12 13 defeats In a season Georgie Kelly injured I don't know But I will say one thing How Serious that is But if I'm correct, I think Bowles have scored one more goal than this season in the league. Really? I'm nearly sure. I'll have a look at that. I could be corrected. There you go. There's a goal scored. Staff for you to, to, for you to dig your head into. Well, here's a staff for you. Alan Cowley has a 100% losing record as a pundit on the Bowles stream. That is fabulous. That's a <laughs> fabulous stat. Starting one. <laughs> Isn't it just? Oh, wow. Um, Pro Rings End. Supporter club, they tweeted just the 26 points between the season's impressive and unimpressive teams. Um, we've had enough of Mark Burge and we're gonna have him, him, him on again. Um, yeah, so then we had Pat Speed and Dundalk 1 0 on the Monday. Across these these two games were repeats of the the cup ties, which was strange, wasn't it? Yeah, same exact copy, carbon copies, same, same games, stadiums, same venues. What do you think of some people actually wanting Pats to lose this match? And the title being decided. I found that bizarre. Yeah, no, it's... Some like, people said we're saying Hail Marys. Like, um, imagine not wanting to win the league in Tala. Imagine not wanting to win the league in front of your fans and being in your house on a Monday night and letting it be decided off the pitch. Not for me. Not for me, man. Done. Done. But we will hopefully uh, be celebrating this Friday. 
Yeah, so some Twitter, some Twitter activity on this, Prof. Uh, Rovers are far, far ahead of the rest that we want the team in second to win. <laughs> no, he isn't that mad. <laughs> oh, that's a brilliant one. And they tell us we're yeah. bad champions. False league, don't forget. Yeah, some great tweets there. It's <laughs> we're that far ahead. We want the team in second to win. That is the tweet. That tweet here. Tweet here. Well done. Congratulations. Was that Darren, Darren Heffernan? Was it? Is that's the half fit? I think Ivan. Um, so some fallout from from that game as well. Dundalk have lost three members of staff. Vinny's being linked with the Shell's job. Their bus had their windows smashed in coming out of Inchicore by their own fans, apparently. No, it was. It was, it was Pat's. I, it was a Pat's fan at work who said, like, I don't know if he said he saw it, but I think it made saw it. Don't mind him. He's obviously going to say that. Yeah. Yeah, so it didn't make sense. Bit of a mad week for them, all right. But suddenly it's gone a bit pear shaped. Having, they were shooting up the table and on the verge of a cup final. I love that. I love the way you said that. And now. <laughs> it's just all gone was wrong that, was, that, was that joke supposed to be inserted in there shooting up the table no um, I'm talking about Dundalk so there's, I know there's not the same sentence <laughs> <laughs> and Gareth did you know that Vinnie Perth is a league winning just manager? about to say to you I was going to ring you I was going to ring you earlier on and tell you that he's a league winning manager do you know that he's a league winning manager he is a league winning manager yeah I know that because he told us that for some reason and in the same interview he told us that Santi arrives in his house in six weeks. Santi comes to his house. Yeah, very money orientated individual. Sounds like to me. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Wonder any establishments in Dublin Twenty Four would have that to say about that. <laughs> That's sell beer. Uh, <laughs> so moving on to Prof. This is a very strange one for me. Morris Gaunton Shells. I'm gonna guess that he has gotten some sort of development role. Alas, Ala Roycer, or something like that in England. He's gotten a better role because all this hard work he's put into getting shells up. That's a lot of hard work. And then he just jumped ship. And then they're talking about putting in League with a manager. So They're also talking about putting in your old pal Duffer. Duffer. Hopefully. Hopefully. Straight back down you go, Shells. <laughs> Adios. Boing, boing, boing. That's what I want. See you later. And of course, Prof, the mood was mental on the bus. Oh, we forgot to talk about this. The Glen Malore joint killers. Glen, what were they saying Glenmalore they had some sort of saying anyway. but listen Glenmalore won the cup again they beat Blackrock two, two, two divisions above them and they had their keeper sent off at the end as well ah bouncing off teams now Glenmalore are going to win the cup Glenmalore are going to win the cup simple and of course they have a raffle and it's big big money 250 quid get your fivers in to Pat Tutty on um Revolut so if you want a ticket for Glenmore please get in touch with them find them on Instagram find them all on the internet I'm going to get you the phone number now for Revolut if you want a fiver send them on to Pat Tutty Jr and it's 085 Pat Tutty will be delighted I gave out his phone number on the podcast <laughs> but check them out get some fiver a pop there's a few quid to win make sure you get it in and please please help with all the fundraising it keeps Glen Malore going and letting them continue to kill giants um, Prof here we go with the Underage Academy so we have the under 40 or oh, the under 19s bouncing off Cove 4-1 uh, 2-1 Shamrock Rovers is a club Kildare Prof that's a nice little win under mm-hmm. 17s EA Sports League World and um, we have the ladies under 17s 1-1 with, Sh- with Wexford FC so the 15th 2-1 win over UCD and Gart's boys 
the 14s a 2-0 win over Camp TD. And they were all home games. Very successful weekend for the Roadstone Collective. Uh, before we move on here, just something I wanted to say to you. I was <laughs> intrigued by this. Uh, Liverpool's 5-0 win over United. I watched it a little bit. At the weekend, right? Yep. I, I have absolutely nothing to say about uh, the game itself or, or about anything. What, was fa- what fascinated me was uh, Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher's discussion, right? And I think you had Jermaine Defoe and you had Graeme Soonis there as well. They were all on the panel. So I'm going to list out some things they talked about, right? Right, right. And see if this registers with you what happened. What, what was going on in my brain, right? <laughs> now, they didn't mention the shadow. I love this because you're, yeah. par- you're impartial. <laughs> you don't watch this. You oh, don't. You don't know anything about this little nope. rivalry they have. You don't give a rat's. <laughs> Although I'm interested in this now. Now they didn't mention the shadow of of Alex Ferguson, but it's always implied when they talk about it because they haven't won the league since he was there. So that's implied. So successful manager years ago, haven't won the league since him, right? Man United. They put up a table of goals conceded and only one clean sheet. And they put where that ranks. Okay. Right? So even though United are up, where are they? The God, top, I don't know. They're up there somewhere. Yeah. They have like among the worst rankings for goals conceded and fewest clean sheets and all that, right? Then they started using words like learning on the job. And they started talking about all these staff, about them not being experienced enough and learning on the job, even though Mike Feeling is there. Then they started talking about should they bring in someone with them more experienced than him you can't learn on a job at a club as big as Man United right and they started talking about is he just getting more time because Van Gaal and Mourinho were there before him two big name managers and they there's a lot going on here I don't know there's a lot of dynamics isn't there I don't know if they went sooner than people expected but they weren't there extremely long time and finally they called Oli a project. Now, what did you read about wow. all that? This is very fucking. It's very. This this strikes me as someone we might be familiar that with. That whole conversation was like, oh my god, I'm living I, through it again. I'm back in the year 2017. I'm living through it again. Remember all the goals we kept conceded, especially from set pieces. But he's in his fourth season now, I think. Brad's is in his fourth season now. So Brazzer has the Brazzer has the mm. success to ease the pressure, whereas this pressure is too much. He, I think he'd be gone. I think he will. I've heard us be compared to Man United many times before. Well, I'm, I was all for that. Like, I mean, if you're going to watch football and you're mm. going to have any sense or fucking brain in your head, you know what manager needs time. Mm. Like, well, not everybody thinks like that, but I think he has been given time. I'm not too sure he could be corrected, but I think he's had four seasons. That's a like, lot. Again, I don't know enough about this. I don't know how long he's been there. It is a lot, though, if, but, if it is for. But, man, I just drew so many comparisons. <laughs> I mean, Fergie is Michael O'Neill, last manager to win a title. Project, learning on the job. People calling for more experienced staff. Conceding too many goals. Brought you back. We used all these phrases, even <laughs> on the podcast. Did you, like, turn around with your hands in your head and go... Actually, I don't know if we use these phrases, but what I mean is, you would have seen similarities on, are striking. You would have seen on Facebook constantly those words: yeah. "learning on the job," "project," 
You can't lear be learning at a big club like Shamrock Rovers. Is he getting more time because Fenlon and Kenny were let go after only a year or two? Mm. Crazy stuff, yeah. I was, I was blown away by this conversation. <laughs> it really was. So, yes, Prof. Of course, we have two of the most well-respected and intelligent individuals involved in Shamrock Rovers. They've done so much for the club. And uh, then we have McDowell and all. I don't go on. I'll keep going. You know, of course, that's me a little joke. But no, the two guys have been brilliant. And this was a very, very, very enjoyable chat, right? Extremely enjoyable chat. Like it was, it was so good. And you're gonna really enjoy this one. It's, it's just very, very enjoyable. So, bone up a teeth. Okay, so we're joined now by the co-authors of a new Rovers book. Rings in to Tala. Being lost this Friday. It's Macdara Ferris and Owen Royce, two regulars from. Tifties. So, uh, welcome back to the podcast, lads. It's absolutely fantastic to have you. I apologise in advance for my lack of bull- bookshelf. <laughs> yeah, Owen doesn't have one either. <laughs> now, well, I said to I said to Prof, I've thrown all my other books out. Like you only need one book now, so it's no point. <laughs> he has a very it. fancy tapestry, so I have to get my finger out. <laughs> I was up all night drawing that. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome as well, McDara. Good to have you back. Yeah, delighted to be here. Thanks for the opportunity for getting us on to plug plug the book. Of course, of course. And uh, we're going to fire out the first question. We're going to start with you, Owen, as you were forced out the gate in 2005 with We Are Rovers, an oral history of Shamrock Rovers FC. Uh, and McDowell afterwards, we'll let you talk about Talatime, which you wrote about with Carl in 2013. So tell us about your first books, Owen, and what were they about? And in the back of your mind, the did we do another one one day like yeah so i mean i, I did uh, so we published we are rovers in 2005 um and i started working on that in about 2003 there's about two years of work into that sort of on and off you know um and i, I to be honest with you, i can't even remember where i got the idea from that one but i just i started interviewing players um going right back uh you know from the 30s onwards and just wanted to gather the memories of players i suppose i've always been interested in that sort of oral history idea uh, where you're not just recording you know the match results and you know rovers one three one here are the scores you know you're more kind of getting an insight into the club and society at the time and dublin and ireland at the time and everything so uh spent a couple of years doing that and then published that in 2005 um and you know of course when that went that came out in like november 2005 where you know, the club was relegated and it was, uh, you know, it was a strange time to be bringing out a book celebrating Rovers. Um, <laughs> it was kind of like nearly, it felt like nearly an obituary for Rovers at, at some stage, you know. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I've always, I've, I, I had those interviews with however many 20-odd players and, and a lot of fans as well. But, you know, you, you, when you do those books, like you only kind of use little snippets from the interviews. And uh, over the years, I've just been thinking that, you know, I must do something with the full interviews. Uh, and I've thought over the years about, you know, putting up online or what have you. And I've just sort of never got around to doing anything. And then it was when myself and Mike Dower were chatting in, uh, in January, we just sort of came up with this idea. Obviously, he has player interviews as well from various projects he's been doing. Um, and we just sort of came up with this idea of combining them uh, into a kind of like a... It's it's nearly like a a super book, you know. It combines kind of everything. It's like the the, the traveling Wilburys or Rovers books, you know. It's bringing all these <laughs> things together. Uh, but 
So we just came up with that idea and uh, and decided to do it. Uh, you know, we were sort of in lockdown at the time, and I think we were both sort of just looking for something to do and to sort of distract from the grimness of January lockdown. Uh, so that that's kind of how it how it took off, I suppose. I totally agree with you as regards to the players' thoughts on the current regime that they're already involved in, the likes of Beach Boy and the likes of Darrow, who were part of the club in the homeless years and they were going around, travelling, running away from park rangers. I think it's it's going to be some contrast from their thoughts to the current team's thoughts. So I think that's a that's a really, really cool insight to have as part of the football club. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's the interesting thing is, is that, you know, we've got players from, so the first one is Larry Farmer, who played during the World War Two years. Um, so, you know, the, the, the late 30s, in, up to 45, and then right up to the present day. So it's, it's uh, you can really chart the progress of the club, you know, uh, through the kind of like the glamorous 50s and 60s, and then right into the you know, where it really hit rock bottom in the 70s. Um, you know, Mick Megan, who was player manager at the time, tells us stories about, you know, basically not being able to get the showers working because they couldn't, you know, they owed every shop money and no one would give them coal for the to get things going. So they ended up uh, throwing old boots into the stove and, you know, that kind of stuff. You know? So, like, it really hit rock bottom then. And then, obviously, the 80s came back. But what was really interesting was, uh, you know, you're talking about some of the players from the 90s and stuff. Um, that was kind of the era that we had to do a lot of new interviews for this book for, uh, I suppose my original interviews for We Are Overs ended in that kind of late nineties uh, time. Um, and McDara's didn't start then until the Tyler time. So we were missing that kind of 10, 15 years. So we went back and interviewed quite a lot of those lads, uh, Derek Tracy, Jason Caldwell, people like that. And uh, yeah, it's re- like, I found that really interesting because I suppose that was the era where I, I mean, I started going to games in 1990, but, you know, it was that kind of mid to late 90s where I really got uh, into the club. So I found it really interesting talking to them. And as you were saying, some of the stories of, you know, I think it was Terry Barmer was telling the story of turning up in the Spalwell car park for training. And, you know, the management of the Spalwell didn't even know they were there. They just basically just like got to the car park and started playing. Uh, and you know, this is concrete. Yeah. This is like a concrete yeah. surface. Concrete, so like in or in in between the cars, you know. Uh, and like you know, this is Shamrock Rovers, like the biggest name in Irish football. And you're just playing in a car park, hoping the management don't throw you off like a bunch of school kids, you know. Um, so yeah, you can really tell where, where the club really dipped then, and the players of that era were all kind of, in, in fairness, really good lads, and a lot of them actually Rovers fans as well. So they really did have their heart in the right place and really wanted to do well, but. They were all saying just when you look at the conditions and the lack of facilities and then you compare that with what, you know, bows and shells and stuff like that had back then, you know, they were on a hiding to nothing really in terms of trying to compete. Um, but now, thankfully, that's all all come around. And, and actually, Jason Caldwell even made that point. He was saying that, you know, he was involved in coaching in Roadstone uh, for a few years and he actually made the point. He was like, you know, he hopes the players these days appreciate what they have because it's just light years away from what they had you know 20 years ago yeah it's hoping they never have to experience it anyway but like you said you touched on being relegated club were relegated just after what we we are overs came out so we had six years without a trophy and uh, after Talatime was published so not that I'm suggesting anything here lads but maybe <laughs> hopefully a bit as successful as this one we'll settle the league title on Friday so what was the inspiration behind the new book and who came to who and uh, McDara, we're still waiting on Terrible Time to come out as well. I'm still waiting on the <laughs> sequel of Talatine to come out. So who came to who and where was the inspiration? 
So yeah, it was Owen sent me an email in January, which the the subject was, is there anything to be said for another Rovers book? And I thought, <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I, I was one of the lucky people who were able to attend games um, you know, last season in the press box. You know, I was doing doing stuff for extra time. So I was able to get to most of the home games and I kind of stuck to Dublin. Um, so, you know, October, November last year, I was lucky to be able to go to games. Uh, January was pretty bleak. You know, we were back into our third lockdown. Um, you know, I live alone. Uh, I was working from home. Uh, it was dark. There was no football. It was like, so this was, Owen was like a beacon of light with this great idea. Let's, yeah. let's, let's do this. I think uh, Owen said it there about we combined the, the interviews. So one of the things that we did was we kind of, Put a spreadsheet together and see well what how many interviews do we have so i think as on said it was about kind of 20 interviews from from we are rovers and then i've been doing the, the player interviews in the match program since about kind of 2008 uh, and then i've done various interviews over the years you know I, before we won the fai cup in 2019 i i was fixated with the six in a row so i would have done a lot of interviews with those players i just the idea of winning six fai cups in a row just i loved it obviously did a few interviews with some of the four in a row sides. So, um, and those players are like, you know, the players in the Rover squad are always very generous with the time for the match program, but you're kind of, it's very contemporaneous. You're, you're talking about like, you know, what was the match last week? You know, you're talking about their career, but it's very much focused on like the results and whatever. When you talk to, and you guys get it, when you talk to some of the former players in the podcast as well, and they're, they're always really generous at the time. They love mm-hmm. You know they love the club and they love being able to talk about it and actually you're able to give it a bit of time and and, and have a conversation and get those stories so so some of the stories that are told in the book are definitely ones that uh uh you know you guys would have talked to to terry palmer about the you know the likes of the relationship with or non-relationship with, with roddy collins and, and and things like that um and and so some of the interviews you're we were able to kind of piece together from four or five interviews and actually, yeah, that, that, that will tell a story that will tell a couple of years of story of rovers and then other interviews from the program, they just don't work. They don't stitch together. So Mm. I reckon there's, there's 50 interviews in the book um, going back from 1930s, right up to the the last one is with, with Stephen Bradley. And and I sat down via zoom with, with uh, Stephen for an hour uh, you know, a couple of months ago, and that rounds off the book, and 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 it's probably the longest interview as well. Um, but you, you was it was clear we if we wanted to tell the story of Shamrock Rovers, we definitely needed to go and interview a few more players. So so I think in in the book, I think it's maybe eighteen or nineteen new interviews that we did. Uh, and so when you pick up the book, you can trace the story of Shamrock Rovers told through the words of, of these players. So we were quite you know we looked at the seasons and said the spreadsheet was really helpful to, to kind of plug the gaps and it was like yeah i think we definitely need to talk to trevor malloy um you know owen spoke to to pat scully and that was i, I really enjoyed reading that interview because i wasn't on that call because scully was such a big important story for for rovers you know having been relegated and getting us getting us back front back up into the premier division so 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 that was the kind of task that we set ourselves and then we went and, and we interviewed people during lockdown so i remember and actually it was really easy to get people on during lockdown so because i'm working from home i could take a call i could do a call kind of whenever i wanted that's the, the flexibility of, of working from home I, I made up the time honest uh and then people were people were 
couldn't wait to talk because as I say this is like February and March when it was like doom and gloom. But I remember talking to Andy Myler, um uh one of the players, as as Owen mentioned, who was a fan of the club, and, and that really comes out how how proud he was to sign for the club right towards the end of his career. But he, as well as being the UCD manager, he works kind of in the facilities management to UCD. And uh, we just timed it for his his lunchtime walk where he was walking through UCD and he's like he was like describing this place is like a ghost town. There was like a couple of people with their dogs and that was it. And you know how busy that campus is. So so it was a good time for us to do the work and it was a good time to um, to talk to some players, even if we did have to bring Terry Palmer back to, to the Santry and talk about the 6-4 again. So <laughs> I think the poor the poor man is traumatised now at this stage, you know? And McDara, that idea to tell the story through the words of the players and the managers, uh, Owen's book, We Are Always, had a similar format, but it wasn't done almost entirely in quotes like this is. So why did you both decide to do it that way? Well, I think one of the... So one of the things that we wanted to do was... was was tell the story of the, of the club through the words of the players and, and and those involved and through the managers. Now the managers that we interviewed all played for the club as well, so um, so that that gives a nice angle to it as well. Um, even though we're m- mostly talking to Stephen Bradley about you know his his, his coaching and and similar with with Pat Scully, but what we then needed to do is we needed to write an intro for each of the players, which would just frame frame the story. Um, so in each chapter, there's an introduction that that we wrote for each of the players, which kind of it, it tells the, the the seasons that they played for overs, you know, and, and just their story of 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 what they did. You know, some of them are shorter than than others. I'm looking at Jason Caldwell's one here, and it's 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 you know it's only uh, five or six lines, but there was enough in what when we spoke to Jason and asked him the questions, we kind of knew. The things that we wanted to ask about so you know we wanted to we wanted to ask him about you know the fact that his father was the, the chairman of the club we wanted to ask what it was like playing for for rovers as a as a fan of the club and and you know he highlighted at times the frustration he sometimes felt that certain players who just came and it was a wage and it was a job and that's fine but you could tell the players that it meant an awful lot lot more too so i think what was key for us was certainly to for the newer interviews where where we we knew there was some elements that we wanted to get of the story about you know the training in the time in north time in south depending on where the park ranger was or <laughs> what it was like to be managed by damien richardson or you know we then focused and asked those questions um so that's that's probably the way way we went about it um and as as owen mentioned like for some of the interviews like i i would have but we both actually talked to Frank O'Neill in the last two years. So we, so I'd, I'd spoken to Frank about uh, for the FAI match program, mainly about um, playing for Ireland. But I had talked to him about the the um, the Rovers Bayern Munich match because I had done quite a long piece on that. Um, so we knew it didn't quite quite fit. But uh, but I'd I'd met Frank before before COVID, and then Owen reached out to, to Frank uh, in the meantime because we knew there was other elements together. So so that's how we kind of, um, that's kind of how we stitched it together. I love the format. I think um, it's something that you don't really see is necessarily that a book full of quotes and it gives you a different, it gives you a different insight into into the Shamrock Rovers history, particularly from the players that love to play for the club and you handpicked the ones who you felt 
had a little bit more of an association with the club and a little bit more of a love for the club. And I think I think that's going to come across really, really well when it is when it eventually comes out. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I think the format really works and it was something I was really keen to do. Um, you know, like Carl was saying, like in, in We Are Rovers and, and in Talatime, they're both structured kind of similarly, but, you know, a lot of quotes, but also a lot of, uh, you know, narrative from the author, I suppose, kind of frame and everything. And, and I was kind of keen for this one, just sort of strip all that back as much as we can and just go with, you know, as I said, like over the years, I've sort of, uh, you know, a couple of times I've kind of come across the, 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 the text, the interviews that I did, uh, and the way I transcribed them was in that just first person uh, interview. And it's always sort of been in my head that like it would be it would be great to get that format out some way. So we're mm. actually getting the entire interview. And obviously we've edited it back for, you know, we've cut out little bits here and there and just, you know, tried to tidy it up a little bit. But it is pretty much the the interview verbatim nearly, you know, mm. in, in the player's words. So you're getting you're getting everything they said really in the interview. So yeah, I think it works really well and it really does give a a, a better picture and better to better to take us out of this one. No, no narrative at all in this one. Just let the players speak, I think. No, and in terms of uh, how long it took to to complete the book, I mean there touching there, you begun at the at the start of the year. So when did you actually wrap it up and how did you go about getting it published then? <laughs> yeah, to be honest, it was quite longer than I thought. Like when I first sent my Sarah that email. I was kind of in my head, I was like, should we have half this done? You know what I mean? This is, we'll get this done in like a fortnight, you know? Uh, and, you know, six months later, we're still working on it, you know? But, uh, and also when we were talking about the grimness of January lockdown and looking for something to do, which we were doing. But then, you know, I also remembered quite shortly after sending that email that the creches were closed and the kids were home. And, and actually this was going to be a lot tougher than I, than I thought, you know? But um, I think it was, we finally got it done. We did most of it in sort of February, March, April, probably most of the interviews. Uh, and after that, really, it was just a matter of editing um, and trying to trying to cut a lot of the interviews back in terms of, you know, I suppose, you know, you've, you've got to keep the word counts fairly sensible with them. So uh, just editing them. Uh, and then we talked to the club. We did talk about maybe trying to find a, an external publisher, like, a you know, a, a publishing company. Um, but we were kind of keen to do it as a fundraiser as well. Like we wanted to do it for the academy. So, um, you know, we're, we were never going to take any money out of it. Like we, we were clear with that with each other at the very start. Uh, and when you start introducing publishers, you know, obviously they take money and, and all that yeah. kind of stuff. So we just thought, why don't we just talk to the club, see if they'd actually just publish it themselves. And that way they get to keep everything that comes out of it. Um, and uh, Dennis and Mark uh, in particular and, and, and the rest of the board and so on were, were really supportive of it uh, and so thankfully they kind of went went behind it that way so I think it, it's just easier that way there's no external companies involved and as I said every single penny profit's going to go back into the academy which is it's, really great it's literally a full-on Rovers project absolutely it's, yeah yeah because yeah, so, it's probably worth saying to say uh, uh, Owen Rightly, kind of name checks Mark Lynch and, and Dennis Donu, but I, I'd, I'd like to thank uh, Robert Goggins as well. So Robert was really helpful just in just chatting. You know, he he's been uh, he's a few of the books that are behind me left shoulder here on, on on the Zoom call. He's nearly got his own. He's nearly got his own shelf. Um, so Robert was really helpful just kind of in chatting through. Um, but also he supplied a number of the images. 
And then George Kelly and Bobby Best couldn't be any more helpful. They were, you know, the minute I mentioned them, they were like, yeah, guys, whatever you need, um, sent them a list and we just had to kind of plug the gaps. Um, you know, it was a bit harder for for some of the um for some of the older players. And uh maybe I might tell the story about Dick Dunn if, if that's all right. So so Owen had done an interview with uh Dick for We Are Rovers many years ago. Um Played for the hoops in '58 and '59 and won the league title. And uh, he's Richard Dunn's dad. And um, you know, it was a, it, we thought it was a good interview because it was hard. Sometimes we had to drop interviews, and and it was kind of hard. we wanted to keep it to fifty because we were trying to keep it. It's 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 seventy five thousand words, so it's like two hundred pages. So we we're trying <laughs> to keep it at that at limit. But um, we were having great trouble trying to find a photo for 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 Dick Dunn and. Uh, Robert was help, helping us out, and then um, you know he'd been in, he'd been in touch with the with the Dunn family. I don't know Owen, if you want to tell the middle bit of the story where you kind of rang up the family, and then I'll come in at the end. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. As I was saying, we were, we were trying to find it, so Robert was kind of back and forth, uh, but it was really coming up to it was the last piece in the jigsaw, basically. This picture of Dick Dunn. Yeah, so we really sort of needed it. So um, eventually, Robert gave us the number, and 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 we found I found them up. Um, but uh, in the meantime, actually, I'd seen the the post on Facebook from Glenmore Rovers saying they were going to have a special guest at the match, and they didn't name this player, but they were like, he played in a one season, late fifties, won the league. I was like, that sounds very like this. Surely not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so when I found up, it was actually Dick's wife answered, but. Uh, but she, I was like, having pictures. She was like, oh, it might be a bit tricky. But he was like, but he's going to be at the match tomorrow. So uh, so that it all kind of just fell in place perfectly. And Magdara went out and got the pick with them. So we got the, the last piece in the jigsaw. So that, was literally, that, was, that was literally. So so it's a contemporaneous photo. So it's from out uh, at the, the match out in Walkinstown about. But it, but it was the it was the last thing we needed to, to put in because um, each, each of the chapters has a little pen pick of the, of the player and uh you know where they played the season they played and and you know we really wanted it. it's like a a top trump or a, a fifa card kind of thing yeah, so yeah, yeah. we, we uh, but some yeah some of the photos are you can imagine you've got players in the 30s and 40s so there's some old school black and white photos and then right up to the the present day you say with with bobby and george helping us out as well so yeah it, w- it was it was really good to get that support from from across the club and as i say the uh, anyone that we 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 wanted to to interview you know made themselves available which was was really helpful so owen um 50 interviews you spoke about you said in the early start start of the year this is when you got most of them done so from the 40s all the way up to Stephen bradley um what famous names can can the fans look forward to hearing from yeah i mean lots of them right from i mean we were trying to get that spread you know so every kind of decade and every sort of key moments was covered um so yeah i mean big names in here we were actually did a count there's 18 ireland's internationals uh, amongst the 50 uh and you know right back from the early days where you've got your you know people like jerry mackey who, who sadly died uh earlier this year um you know ronnie nolden liam Tui. um so two of the ones uh, I mean, obviously, in the more recent years, then you've got you know your your, your Gary Twiggs and and Stephen Rice's and so on. But two of the ones I was kind of really happy to get this time was um, when I did We Are Rovers. For whatever reason, I didn't manage to get John Giles or Frank O'Neill. 
Um, I can't actually remember why, but I just didn't manage to get them at the time. Uh, Giles, I think in particular, hasn't really ever spoken about his time at Rovers. Uh, I think he did an event in Tala a few years ago. I think that was maybe like the first time he'd sort of properly spoken really about the time at the club. So uh, I think he was just kind of hard to get, you know, back in sort of 2003, 2004, whenever I was trying to get him. Um, but I got him this time and he spoke really at length about his whole time at Rovers um, and a really, really interesting interview, um, you know, about his, I suppose, his childhood associations with the League of Ireland. Like his dad was the manager of drums, uh, but he would have gone to a lot of Rovers games and, you know, really grew up idolising the likes of your Jerry Mackeys and your uh, Liam Toohey's, like other, you know, who we also have in the book. Um, but he spoke really at length about his time at the club, what he tried to do. And actually what's really interesting is, is that it's so similar to what's going on now in a lot of ways. Like he was trying to stop young lads going to the UK young, like he was trying to get them into the first team, blood them, give them that experience, give them an education. Like he sent them to Pierce College, you know, whereas Club Nero doing Asheville College. You know? So, so many similarities in terms of what he tried to do. And this is, this is like nearly 45 years ago, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that was kind of interesting. And he was kind of talking himself about how it's fantastic to see what the club is doing now and you know he's really supportive of the academy project and probably in a lot of ways sees nearly like his vision coming to fruition now nearly like half, half a century later um that's what really i'm really looking forward to now i'm really looking forward to that john joseph like you said I've, I've never really heard him talk about rovers at all and it always seemed to me that he might have had a chip on his shoulder about it similar to dunphy but now that you're saying you have a really interesting one in the bag that's that's really big uh, interest yeah, I think it is. And I think the thing with them is, is that he, he, like, listen, the, his time at the club didn't quite work out the way he would have wanted it and what, and what have you, you know, so it, it kind of just uh, petered out a little bit. So I think that's maybe people thought he didn't really want to talk about the fact that it didn't kind of work out yeah. terribly well in the end. But I think as well, <clears throat> the thing that, that kind of came through was he, you know, he's very conscious that Milltown went uh, only whatever, five, six years after he left the club um, and he had family connections with the Gilcoins. Um, and I think he was all, he was very conscious about that. And actually what was interesting was, I didn't even bring that up in the interview. Uh, he actually brought it up uh, and kind of he made a point of saying, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I had nothing to do with the sale of Milltown. Like I was I remember, gone at that I stage. remember reading that line on now, yeah, that, that stuck out on the page that he was seen very eager to yeah. disassociate himself. With yeah, the side and, of Glenmuller Park. Yeah, and I said that came from him. Like I didn't even, I, I wasn't even going to ask him, you know. But but he, you know, and I think that might have been in his head for the last few decades that like he was maybe worried that in supporters' heads he was somehow <clears throat> associated with what yeah. happened. Um, but yeah, really, really interesting piece. Uh, and and then the other one I'd mentioned was Frank O'Neill. Um, it was actually quite funny. Uh, McDowell, as he said, had spoken to him uh, for 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 different things, but. Uh, I hadn't spoken to him. I think I just hadn't managed to get him back in for, in the weird over times. Um, I was talking to John Toll, um, who obviously played for Rovers in the nineties, uh, and um, did a really lovely interview with John. Uh, lovely, lovely bloke. Uh, and at the very end of the interview, John said, uh, well, "Have you been speaking to Frank O'Neill?" And I was like, "No, no, I haven't got Frank." And he was like, "Oh, here's his number. Uh, John is a, a painter decorator and does a lot of work for Frank." So I'd actually mentioned to Frank the week previous that I might be phoning him. So uh, in the end, I found Frank and he was up for it, but he wanted to do it face to face. 
So we had to wait until he was double vaccinated and all that kind of stuff. So there was a bit of a delay. Um, but I went up to Frank. He was actually the only interview we did face-to-face uh, for this book. Um, and, yeah, very generous at the time and spoke at length. And, I mean, this, this is a lad who, you know, 20 Ireland caps playing for Rovers back at a time when Ireland's, you know, weren't playing uh, all, that, all that frequently. You know, to earn 20 caps was, mm. was incredible. And, you know, from, from all the talk of people who, who've seen him, you know, I obviously never saw him play, but... Um, you know, this is a lad who could have played at the highest level in England, but sort of voluntarily chose to come home and play with Rovers. So, you know, really, really interesting to get his story. And and again, actually, you know, you're talking about the difference in facilities and stuff. Um, he actually made the point that he's really envious when he watches matches now. Uh, he's really envious of Tala and the quality of the pitch because he was saying, you know, like Milltown was, you know, famously a carpet. But he's saying when you went down the country, the pitches were terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and for a lad like him, who was, you know, a real kind of silky ball playing uh, player, you know, he said he's really envious when he sees Tala and the quality of the pitches now, you know. But Frank, yeah, Frank was another really, really interesting to to to, to finally kind of get a, a chance to speak to him at length. But you actually managed to interview a player that Prof has never heard of, a forced Kieran Maher. Played under John Giles and McDara. How how is this possible? Because I'm always trying to trump the prof and I can't do it. So you've managed to beat me to it. I'm gonna have to show that one to Alan. Well that yeah, Kieran uh, that actually came from he was featured in We Are Rovers. I can't remember how I got in touch with Kieran actually. Uh, he was one of the young players who came through under the Giles era. Um, you know, you had your Robbie Gaffney's and Alan O'Neill's and people like that, like young players who Giles was trying to bring through, uh, and Kieran was another one of them. Uh, so he would he played for the club for um, camera off the top of my head, but a good few seasons, um, and later went on. Pretty sure he won the league with Pats afterwards, and like had a decent uh, League of Ireland career. But yeah, like probably not a, a name that's uh, as well known as as some of the other ones, but really interesting insight into the Giles era and as a lad who was probably only whatever 18, 19, 20, whatever he was at the time uh, playing alongside John Giles, Ray Tracy, Eamon Dunphy, like these lads who had long distinguished careers in England behind them. So really interesting take on things um, and good, good insight into I think that, uh, that uh, era of the club you know. And one or two memorable quotes from players. Did anything surprise you? And had you heard anything that was just really, really out there or anything you'd never heard before? Well, one that actually jumps to mind for me was uh, I interviewed Trevor Malloy. Uh, <laughs> surprise, and, surprise. Yeah, and, and I was really happy to interview Trevor because he was a, a player who, uh, well, when I first started going to the club, you know, uh, really liked him. And then, of course, he, he had his wayward years uh, and he probably wasn't... Uh, top of everyone's Christmas card list for a few years, but then he came yeah. back, you know, and was a real firm favourite. But, like, Trevor's a really good character, you know, um, and uh, he had a couple of really good stories. But I remember hearing, you know, back when he was playing for the club, whatever, that he had this Rovers tattoo. Uh, but I'd never kind of known whether it was true or not, you know. And I'd sort of actually forgotten about it. And then when I was interviewing, it just sort of came back into my head. Uh, and I just said to him, I was like, by the way, did you know, did you, do you actually have a Rovers tattoo? And he told me the story again. That he was playing for Pats at the time. Uh, and himself and Barry Ryan, who was the Pats goalie, obviously later played for Rovers as well. But um, himself and Barry went to get uh, tattoos. And Barry got whatever Barry got. But uh, Trevor decided to spur of the moment that he was going to get the Rovers tattoo, the Rovers crest on his shoulder. 
just basically to wind up the Pat's dressing room. Uh, so went into the Pat's dressing room the next day, and as he says himself, <laughs> took, took off his shirt, and he was like, what do you think of this, boys? Uh, and uh, I'm sure that led to a lively discussion in the changing room. But uh, but Trevor was saying he just basically kind of did it. He was a Rovers fan, but he kind of did it nearly as a bit of a joke. He was kind of saying that was his whole personality at the time was basically that he just, he you know, and everyone who saw him play would know, but like he loved the banter with the fans. Like he loved getting the abuse and, and, and kind of like he, he, some players really revel in that you know and others can't take it at all whereas Trevor was one of these players who loved it you know mm. so he said his whole personality at the time was just that basically he just didn't care what anyone thought he just you know he just tried to wind everyone up you know and he says himself he's stopped doing that since uh but he still has the tattoo yeah we had Billy Boy in the podcast uh, a couple of months ago he, he the, the tattoo came up all right and also how Roddy tried to break the ice when they Roddy invited him into the ring for a scrap, but uh, it didn't happen. But, uh, I'll, I'll throw it to you, McDara. Uh, did you have a process for cutting certain material? As in, how did you decide what had to stay in the book and what could go if it went too long? Yeah, there, there was um, there was lots of stories about Shamrock Rovers playing Bayern Munich, and it's like we can't tell the story five times. Um, we actually interviewed a lot of players who who played in the. Uh, or are featured in the book who played in the first game in Tala. So Barry Murphy, uh, Stephen Bradley, um, Gary Twig, uh, Shane Robinson, uh, Stephen Royce. I think they're all in there, but they're not all talking about the first game in Tala. Don't worry. It's not five, six chapters on that. So, so, you know, whoever was able to tell the story the most or, um, and then inevitably when you're talking about matches in the sixties, uh, that that late Bayern Munich that knocked Rovers at the goal that knocked Rovers out uh, was scored in the 82nd, 85th, 89th, uh, 93rd <laughs> minute. Uh, listen, I, I can barely remember, you know, who Rovers played two weeks ago. So I'm, I'll I'll give them an excuse on that. So it, it was really to it was to it was difficult at times to cut some of the elements out, but it, it had to the book has to tell the story of the club and uh it needed to flow. So, so a couple of things like that kind of needed to, needed to come out. That's kind of how we did it. And it's titled uh, Rings End to Tala. So I just wanted to ask, do you feel like our Rings End roots are something that's been highlighted in uh, recent years with the, the march from Rings End to the Aviva in 2010 and 2019? Yeah, the iconic white horse. We've got, obviously, we've got a lot of supporters from Rings End and there's two Rings End natives in the team at the moment, uh, Sean Gannon and Sean Kavanagh. So do you think maybe it's celebrated and talked about a bit more nowadays than it actually used to be? I, I think so. Like w- one of the things we talked about was actually, is it the right to have, should it be from, from Milltown to Tala? But actually there are enough references in Rings End to, we felt we could justify, because say uh, uh, some of the interviews that Owen did, you know, back in the early 2000s, our players obviously who are no longer with us, but we're playing in the, the 30s and 40s and, and we're there from, from Rings End. I think, um, you know, the plaque that went up opposite the library a few years ago, uh, and I think people are more aware of it. I think the fact that the club, you know, we know the club was founded in 1899, which just has that greater status um, than, than being 1901, I think, re- re- I think probably reflects it more. Yeah, and I, Carl, as you say there, the the walk from Ringsend 
into the Viva Stadium, you know, this time two years ago, I think is a massive factor of that. I think everyone everyone remembers that so well. And because led by the, the White Horse, it probably does get it probably does get more of a mention now, right? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, we're going to hear from a man who knows a thing or two about Roy Roberts' books. It's multi-published author Robert Goggins. So we asked him to tell us a little bit about his own volume of work, which started way back in the early 90s, and to send in a question or two for the lads. So here he is. Robert Goggins. Um, my first book was a co-production called The Hoops, which I wrote with Paul Doolan, and we published that in 1993. It was uh, the very first detailed history of the Shamrock Rovers. Uh, the book, I think, became a bit of an iconic uh, treasure to have. Uh, still get asked today by people if, it, if they can get their hands on it. But we, we never got back to reprinting it, unfortunately. It, the task just became too big, you know, to get a publisher and that for a book of that size. But um, we launched it in the Horseshow House, and that was an absolute fantastic night. I think it was one of the standout moments of my life. My mum and dad, who are not with me now anymore, both of them were there. And it was a really proud moment for me, and I know for Paul as well. Then in 2001, I published my second book, which was a pictorial history of Shamrock Rovers. It was something different to the Hoops book. It was meant to really tie in with 100 years of the club. But as we know now, for absolutely certain, it was 102 years. But back in 2001, when we did think it was 100 years, there was really nobody doing anything to mark the centenary. And that's why I wanted to publish that book, so it would be there for all time. Uh, my next book then was the Four in a Row one. And that was something that I had had in mind for quite some time to do, but I just could never find the time to do it. So eventually, when I did get a bit of spare time, I decided to get working on it. And got the bulk of it done fairly quickly, but I think it was about two years later that the book was actually published, uh, as shortly after we went to Tallis Stadium. We launched the book in the Malden Hotel, Again, it was a great night. We had nearly every single one of the four in a row players present there. I think there was only two that were absent. Uh, Jim McLaughlin was also there. I remember when I rang him up and I told him about the book and would he be coming? Would he be interested in coming down? And he was he was really delighted he was to be asked. And he wasn't too well at the time, but he said he would definitely be there. So it was great to have Jim there on the night. And Michael O'Neill, who was then Rovers manager, was also present there. So. That was a great knife to launch that book on. The next book then was the chronological history. I hadn't really got in mind to do the chronological history at the time that I did it. My priority was the book on the FAI Cup, which I had been working on for years, but I would never wanted to launch that until we won the 25th title. And it just seemed to go on and on and on from 1987. Uh, so I just put that one on the long finger and I just um, decided to go to Chronological History Book, which was launched in 2012. And the launch for that one was a little bit strange because it was originally intended to launch it in the stadium. But uh, the club got um, a pop-up unit in the square coming up to Christmas and Jonathan Roach suggested to me that the launch of the book should be done there. So we did it there on a Sunday morning and yeah, it, it was a good, um, memorable launch bit different to the others. So that was in 2012. 
and I just kept updating the FAI Cup book each year as we went along. As everyone will know, it wasn't until 2019 that we actually clinched that 25th title. So that gave me very little time to actually put that book together, even though most of it was already done. But when you know that it's going to actually happen, that's when a lot of serious work starts because you're reading the text from the start over and over again. And, you know, just hoping that uh, you'd be able to get it published in time for Christmas. So we did the launch of that in the shop at, at the stadium. And, uh, yeah, that was another good launch, which I remember. So I have a fair idea of the amount of work that McDara and Owen have put into this. And I'd like to congratulate both of the lads. It's a fantastic amount of work. I've seen some of the snippets that they have put out there. I think it's going to be a really, really good read. I'd recommend it to everybody. I'll be adding it to my collection, and I'm sure that many other people will be doing the same too. Now, having written so many books and stuff like that, um, I would just say, like to ask the lads, how did they decide uh, what subjects they were going to work on? Like, how did they decide or agree on what they were going to settle on? And how did they divide the work out between them? Uh, just interested to know how that worked out because apart from writing a book with Paul in 1993, I've done all the others on myself and I know how hard it is. But sometimes maybe you're better off doing it on your own uh, just to eliminate a lot of uh, work that goes on and getting around things and whatever. Uh, certainly working with Paul back in 1993 was an absolute pleasure and delight. But then... Um, I just probably don't remember anymore what it's like to co-write a book with somebody. So just wonder how the lads worked that one out between them. And best of luck, lads, with the book. I think it's going to be fantastic. Uh, so that was Robert. Uh, so you've overtaken me in the Robert's book, Leaderboard now with two each lads, but you've a long way to go to catch Mr. Goggins. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, would you like to answer his question? Uh, maybe start with McDarris, since you, you've co-authored a book before and his book is question related to sort of how you divided things up between you. Yeah, the thing about doing a book with someone else, as you know, Carl, is it has to work. So it's, yeah, someone who's, Robert did, you know, not all, he obviously did his first book with with Paul Doolan. Um, you know, that's a, that's a lot of work. Owen, of course, has published another book on his own. What was it called, Owen? Uh, homicide, true crime book. So I went from writing a book about Rovers to one about a, uh, uh, homicide true crime so it felt like a very natural kind of segue you know <laughs> i didn't know that did you care <laughs> it's, it's uh it's not available in any good bookshop and there's a good reason for that we, so, we will uh, find this i promise you this is my goal to find this book now <laughs> actually I don't, I don't have a copy of owen's murder or homicide on my bookshelves but i remember uh because i Owen was writing for one of the, the newspapers at the time, so that's that's where it's not a Rovers related looking at homicides. But I remember I, uh, asking him, "Where would I get it?" and and he was like, "You get it in the true crime section in the bookshop." And I went, "What?" And then I walked into Hodges Figgis Reasons and then saw this massive true crime, which obviously I just walked by the whole time. <laughs> crime, not particularly, not particularly interested in it. Um, I haven't answered the question. How do we split it up? Um, well, uh, when we looked at, okay, we've got maybe 15, 16 interviews that we needed to plug. 
we, we you know to tell the story and then also kind of on average they're 1500 word uh interviews um we kind of just decided i i had some phone numbers uh owen had a couple more it was like uh, a lot of it came down to who who did we think would be would we have the phone number for them or would we know someone that would have the phone number so you know uh robert might have a, a number or uh you know depending on on carl you gave us a you gave us a couple of numbers as well so that was probably how we that was probably how we did it to have that right on yeah absolutely yeah i mean it's it's a, it's trying to get all the key moments and 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 decades coverage you know so you're trying to make sure that you've got a nice even spread um uh, and then like yeah in terms of working together i mean yeah as my dad was saying it, it it halves the work which is great but you also like you get that extra pair of eyes which is really uh, helpful you know because you know you know yourself when you're writing stuff there's just so many kind of silly errors get through or factual things or you know things like you know 10 lads have talked about Bayern Munich scoring in the last or second last or third last or whatever it was minutes so you know it's really i think useful it kind of improves the editing process i think um so no i think it worked uh it worked fairly smoothly we're still talking to each other anyway so like we we put it up on a a shared google drive so it meant we could go in and and use track track changes so it um and then i was really looking forward to say when uh you know owen got an interview with um you know, with the likes of Trevor Malloy, I couldn't wait to read it. Um, you know, because it was it was new to me, so it kept everything, it kept everything fresh. And when I was listening out to people to thank, I should have thanked Carl, of course, because Carl did take a run through the manuscript as well to 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 pick up uh, a number of kind of factual errors and a number of uh, kind of grammatical stuff as well. And any mistakes left in the book are myself and Owens. And if you spot anything. We don't want to know. Thanks very much. Um, like, yeah, the, fir- the first time I went back into the office after lockdown was basically, you know, I, I got my double job. So I could- our office was limited open, was basically was to go in and print the thing out. And, uh, you know, I think we did, you know, we probably, I think Owen did one in raids, which we got sent out because everything was in lockdown. And then I did two more in work. And then I did, a, I think we probably did one final one. So I think we did four full printouts and I don't know how many times looking at stuff on, on the screen, but, but, but having two sets of eyes and a couple of other people just had a look over other things as well. It just made things, um, it just made things run a bit smoother. Well, you know, we're all on Zoom here and we can see the Prophet McDara's impressive bookshelves behind them. Uh, McDara, have you got a fake book that opens a trap door the way Prophet does? <laughs> No, uh, no. Thankfully, I haven't. Uh, I haven't fallen down his trapdoor yet. No, <laughs> he says he's not interested in true crime, Gary. I, I don't believe that at all. <laughs> yeah. No one's not interested in true crime. That's why I don't have the books behind me. It's just a whole shelf of true crime upstairs. I didn't want to. Uh... <laughs> but uh, oh, it's remarkable how much has been written about the club in the last few decades. We even have a documentary coming out next year. The Prof cheap plug on that one there. Whereas uh, the likes of Bowles hasn't had. There's not been much really. Pats don't really have a history put together at all. So what is it that keeps Hoops producing all these stories and the people willing to tell them? I know I just want to touch on what McDara said is that he was looking forward to your Trevor Malloy interview. And I think that's the genuine interest. That is, that's my opinion on why we keep producing these books and these documentaries, that genuine interest. Like he's probably buzzing to see what you've written and, and what you've come up with and vice versa. So can you elaborate a little bit on that and what keeps you going and what yeah. are Hoops who keep on producing? 
Yeah, no, it's really fantastic the amount of stuff that's being produced. Uh, and you know, you mentioned Robert Goggins. Like Robert is obviously the the, the sort of the, the godfather of Rover's uh, books and, and, and history. You know, I mean, Robert's been responsible for loads of it. You know, but you know, it's the kind of thing I like. I personally think it's really important, not only because we're all interested and we all want to kind of uh, you know hear the player's stories and hear what that player thought about X, Y, and Z or whatever. But you know, I think it's really important to document. The, the 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 players' stories and you know the fact that probably I don't know probably five or six of the lads in this book uh, aren't with us anymore you know like it's kind of like it's 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 putting their story into the history books or whatever if you want to you know put it that way you know that like their their memories are recorded their time at the club is recorded and it's a it's a it's a glance not into just the club but as I said earlier like you know society as a whole I mean some of the stories from the 30s and 40s and 50s and stuff, you know, when you're getting 20,000 going to Milltown every week and it's the rows and rows of bicycles and, like, the lads are absolute celebrities in Dublin, you know, uh, like they're saying, they can't go anywhere without people asking for autographs and stuff. Um, and But, like, they say themselves that it's kind of like, it's because there was there was nothing else to do, really, <laughs> in a lot of ways. I mean, that's why the football was the big thing, you know, because the society was fairly grim to, to be honest you know this is this is their word it's not mine you know um so like it's just interesting i think to to kind of document all that like i'd love if i'd love to see other clubs do something like this to be honest because you know i'd this book i think obviously it's aimed mostly at rovers fans and that's who are going to be mostly interested in it but i do actually think for people who just have a passing interest in irish football it's a really really interesting um you know, kind of documents in terms of getting those stories of what the game was like. And, you know, if if Bohos or Pats or Sligo or Dundalk or whatever did something like this, I'd actually love to read it as well because you'd learn a lot more, I think, about not just those clubs, but also just the way society and football was at the time. So Yeah, yeah. Um, and you could I, even intertwine that with your own history books and everything that you've written as well. So you could, yeah. let's say you were reading the Pats one, and you're looking at the timeline of it, you could think back to your own one and you could think, okay, well, what was going on between the two clubs at the time? Was there any issues? Stuff, stuff like that. That's the thing, because, you know, like as even back in the, 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 the most successful eras for overs, like say the 50s, like the 50s, they won what? The cup three times, the league twice, I think, which isn't a bad uh, record for, for a mm. decade. But, you know, given that the 50s team for overs is regarded as being the best ever league of Ireland team, like it's not like they won seven league titles in a row or anything yeah. you know like there was amazing competition back then really really strong teams the, the six in a row team in the 60s never won the league um well sorry they did they won it in 63 or whatever it was but they didn't win it for a long time mm. and that's because waterford were winning it every year and you know like you'd actually it'd be really interesting to read some of the stories from some of those waterford lads about those massive rivalries and the big derby like against rovers uh, from their side of things, you know. So, yeah, if if anyone, if any budding historians from other clubs are listening, uh, you know, get a get the finger out, get start doing. <laughs> and Gary, so if I can just come in and just say, like, yeah, of course. I, I think anyone picking up a, a fan of any age at Rovers picking up the book, there'll be something for them. So, you know, men and women of a much older age than 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 myself will be reading about players they will have seen, you know, in the likes of the 50s and 60s. But uh, a couple of the interviews that we did do during lockdown were, 
you know, I spoke with Aaron McAniff when he was over in Scotland. That was that was really interesting. He, you know, he talked about his time at Rovers and he could kind of reflect on it probably a little bit more, to be fair, because he's out of the club. So yeah. it's talking about, you know, the fact that his dad is from Crumlin or Kimmage. Uh, Crumlin, I think, is it? Uh, no. but, but mythical yeah. place. Kimmage is a mythical place. Exactly. <laughs> but that's really only in the build-up to the... The cup final, you know, his dad telling him he didn't quite realize how big it was, and then, you know, the 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 build up to you know the videos that they were shown beforehand, and then the the tour, the trophy tour that, uh, you know, only only stopped because of COVID. I think they still would have been touring that FAI uh, cup trophy around, but you know, the day after, what that was like, and then, chance Jack Byrne as well. Uh, you know, when I, I I put it to him about, you know, when Rovers went up and won four nil in Dundalk, you know, maybe Dundalk had had their eye on Europe and he was like, Do you mind that if if the league had been fifty games longer, they never would have got near us last season. So how how proud he was of, you know, going through the season unbeaten, which was a big thing. I I I think, you know, I, I don't think the players are that bothered. If it was eighteen games or thirty six games, it doesn't really matter. But the fact that they won the game, the title with with four games to spare, they really wanted to go through the season unbeaten and put down that put down that marker, and, and that was really clear talking to to Jack Byrne. So say if there's there's younger Rovers fans that are going, who the hell's Frank O'Neill and and mm. you know, who's who's Paddy Mulligan? Uh, there's there's plenty for them to to read in terms of uh, you know Jack and Aaron and 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 even. You know, because I've been lucky to talk to the likes of Ronan Finn every year, the times at Rovers, and and you know he's played through the different eras at Rovers. So, um, there's something for everyone in the book. Mm. So, McDarrell, we'll stay with you, and we'll just say what separates this book from the other history books of Rovers. I mean, you've got the Gogs one, you've got uh, Owen's original one. So, what, tell us what separates this. Um, I, I think it's I think it's the personal stories. It's like. Um, spoke to Barry Murphy for this uh, because he was a player we we kind of wanted to. We don't have a, there aren't too many players who played like in the Trevor Crawley, Pat Fennell era because we're all trying to really forget what what happened there. But uh, so so Barry was interesting because he played, you know, he played in the first division. So he played under Roddy Collins, played under um, Pat Scully. So that that difference. And also he was a player who came through what we, the schoolboy section, which was nothing like the academy there. So uh, it's, it's those personal stories. Cause so he talked about coming back to Rovers a second time and he talked about, he, he felt he had something to prove. He was really disappointed that he, he felt he was unlucky to, you know, Alan Manis came in and, and, you know, Barry wanted to kind of stay on, but, but, you know, he wasn't really offered the kind of terms elsewhere. And, and he, he felt he wanted to be number one, and you know the fact that Michael O'Neill brought in Alan, you kind of the writing was on the wall. It was his goalkeeper, so so he moved on. But when the opportunity for, came for him to come back, he he couldn't wait to uh, to to come back, and he did win trophies, but not the kind of major success that we that we wanted. Or, or the likes of you know Tony Cousins, who you know I'm someone who, who would have. Tony Cousins is one of the heroes, I, I think, when I think of players of, of that era. And I talked about legendary status. And I remember talking to him and he he kind of cut me off and he went, no, when I talk about legends, you know, he he talked about the players from the four in a row. So he talked about, you know, John Cody. So it was interesting to see and hear his his take on it. So, you know, if you, 
I'm always dipping into Robert's books. Uh, you know, the chronological history is brilliant when you're looking at something back and it's like, okay, well, what was that results? You know, how do we do that season? Um, and so if you want that information, you know, that's brilliant for that. But I think if you want the kind of the personal stories and you want to hear about the ash from Billy Lord's cigarette going into the uh, massage that you're getting, you know, and you can't say anything because you don't want to, you don't upset the guy, you know, that's, <laughs> that's the type of thing that you're going to get out of this book. So I think it, it's those kind of, it's those kind of stories like that, or, or, or Terry Palmer, you know, going to play for Bose and him having to tell his dad that he'd signed for Bose and his dad would have come to all the games that Terry would have played in. And then basically Terry said to his dad, listen, you don't need to come and watch me play because he knew his dad didn't really want to cheer on Bose. <laughs> yeah. He wanted his son to do okay. So so I think there's those kind of elements will kind of jump out and uh, jump out. So I, I think there's enough new stories for even the... If people have read some of the other books, that uh, there'll, there's, there'll be plenty of new material that they'll be interested as they as they read through. Yeah, so the book is out uh, this Friday, uh, been launched in the club shop. Um, when you're deciding the release date of the book, did you always have in mind the league's 100 year anniversary, uh, which the FEI definitely didn't forget about until noon <laughs> that day? And also, were you purposely waiting until <laughs> restrictions were lifted so you could have a proper launch, you know, with with Robbers fans? Yeah, well, in terms of the centenary, that was part of the early conversation we had, actually, that it was kind of, um, I don't even know why it sort of came to mind, but it, it just sort of came to mind that it was the centenary of the league in September. So um, <laughs> I think we referenced that in the intro of the book, that, that, that you know, the, the book nearly kind of marks that, even though obviously Rovers weren't in that original season, if you want to, if you want to pick holes in it. But uh, we'd kind of originally planned on launching it in September to coincide with the centenary of the league but then just between one thing and another I suppose it got pushed back a little bit we were obviously then hoping that restrictions would ease you know what we would have liked to have done was you know Glenmalure Sweet bring along your Pat Scullys and Trevor Malloy's and Derek Tracy's and what have you and, and sort of give it a proper launch with you know hear some stories from the lads and all that kind of stuff um, and we were kind of held out hope of doing that until uh, what was the last week, the government's announcements, but, you know, unfortunately uh, that wasn't going to be possible. So we decided, listen, let's just, let's just get it out there. We'll do a, a kind of a soft launch. So myself and McDowell will be in the club shop from six on Friday, um, uh, sign a few copies of, if anyone wants us to, to face the book with our, with our signatures uh, and, uh, and that, but, you know, it's also, it's a great night to launch it because listen, like fingers crossed, we're going to win the league on Friday. So, I mean, what, what better way to, uh, to celebrate, uh, you know, by, by sort of a momentous day in the club's present, by also kind of celebrating the great days in the club's past. So it's actually worked out quite well, I think, in a lot of ways. I remember McDowell and I did a few interviews to promote Tata Time. We did 42.ie, uh, Extra Time podcasts. We were on the radio, uh, Anna Libya FM, Justin Mason. So are you guys going to hire yourselves out to the media now to in a similar degree in the next few weeks? Yeah, there's a few. Um, we, we sent a few extracts to some of the print media, so we're hoping to get some some things in the in the papers in the next next few days. Um, and yeah, it's a case we're we're kind of want to get it out there, but we also we want we did. It was actually nice to do the publicity for Rovers, you know, to put it up on Facebook and and put it on Twitter about maybe maybe six or seven weeks ago. We kind of just were working away in the background. I know, Carl, you were aware of it and other people were, and it was like, is this a secret? But it was more 
we just wanted to get it done. Plus, we had this issue as we kind of knew we couldn't really launch it until we really wanted fans back in the stadium in, in big numbers. So it's great that there's, there's no restrictions for, for the game on Friday and the final game of the season, which is um, which is which is Drada. So, but um, we'll probably do a little bit more publicity when it is launched, and like it will be available, obviously on the the club uh, online shop as well. So if if people can't get to the game on Friday or aren't going to be uh, at the, the won't be able to get out to Tala maybe for the game against Drada, which I think is the, the last night of the season. Um, you know, will be available through through the club shop as well. So we'll do a little bit more publicity then, because because oh, instead of there, I think. There will be fans of other clubs who who they mightn't like Rovers, so they might love to hear um, you know Derek Tracy talk about crying when uh, Rovers got relegated. They'll they'll lap that stuff up, you know. So um, you know there's there's plenty of highs in the book, but there's also plenty of lows. So I think potentially you know some other League of Ireland fans who uh, you know they really don't like Rovers, but there's plenty of fans who are vociferous in their support of other clubs, but they they like a good League of Ireland story. So we're hoping that. Um, you know, fans of other clubs will buy it, so maybe we won't tell them that the 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 money's going to the club. Maybe they mightn't appreciate that, but uh, we'll we'll keep it just amongst our, amongst friends here on the podcast. And worth uh, just on that point as well, it is worth just emphasising again that all money is going into the academy. So if anyone is looking for uh, Christmas presents for uh, dads or uncles or aunts or anyone they don't know what to buy, uh, you know, look no further than the book because uh, the money is going to a to a good place. I just want to propose something to the lads and make sure they're okay with actually doing it. Um, would you be, it, it might be a good idea. Do you want to have a stand at the Player of the Year Awards and you can bring all the books because there's going to be the guts of 100, 150 Rovers fans there. If you want to set up a stand and sell them on the night, there's no problem with that. I can We can say it now if you want or if, if you have any issues. Yeah, we just need to, to you talk guys. to the club because they, basically there's like a thousand books all delivered over to the club. So, so I've we've got we got three copies each uh, that we gave out to our fam. So I've got one, and I gave one to me parents and one to my sister, and and that one's the same. So we don't actually have a big. Box <laughs> um, right, we'll cut that one. We'll cut that one. Yeah. But if we, I'll say I'll say it to yeah, Mark yeah, Lynch. Yeah. Mark Lynch, I'm sure we'll have. I'm sure we won't have an issue with that. If there's a penny to be made. It's he's the man. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Uh, this we're doing the Tifty's hotline this week. So this is one quick question we had. Uh, what's the last book you read? It can be football or non-football. And also, do you prefer the physical book in your hand as opposed to, you know, a Kindle or a PDF? I think, you know, looking over my shoulder, the answer to that question. Yeah. Uh, the last book I read, well, I'm just finishing, going to finish it this evening, Simon Cooper's book on Barcelona, which I really enjoyed. I think any football fan would enjoy it. Uh, traces the kind of the modern day success of Barcelona. So from Johan Cruyff and, and also traces the downfall which we've seen in the like this season just just how much of a mess they've, they've got um in in the la, in the last year and it's a really really interesting book and also uh, it the last section t- kind of talks about how other clubs around europe caught up in terms of the academy and i'm not saying the roadstone is the same as the as the messiah pronounced it incorrectly but whoever the, the barcelona academy is but the, i was reading some of it going yeah that's what rovers do yeah that's what rovers are looking to do yeah that's what rovers do so um but yeah it's a really good book and and i always enjoy simon cooper stuff so that's that that's the book that i'm will have finished by the time this podcast comes out what about you Al? oh <laughs> my dad's book has at least some sort of uh 
similarities or links to the club. I'm afraid mine doesn't at all. I'm reading uh, Northern Protestants on Shifting Ground by Susan McKay. So uh, that sounds <laughs> like a very Tommy Tarmy book now. That's a Tommy Tarmy uh, yeah, book. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe it's I don't know. The, the oral history of Linfield or something. Maybe we call it. But now uh, <laughs> it's uh, yeah. But now good book. But uh, now very much. Uh, very much a, a physical book in the hand, yeah. I, I, I uh, definitely uh, can't see myself ever moving away from that. Yeah, no, I think it's lost on some on a lot of people nowadays. Like I, I go to the library maybe three times a week with my daughter, and she's an avid reader. She'll get her own stuff. I'm currently reading Small Business for Dummies, so that might show you the kind of mindset I'm in at the minute. But it is, it's brilliant. It's something that a lot of people don't really do, and I'm nearly sure I saw Talaton there before as well, Prof. Remember I was telling you, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it is. It's lost on some people, unfortunately, but the, the physical side of, of reading. Over to you, Gar. So, what we got? So, McDara, you were at Richmond Park Monday night, working for extratime.ie. Were you glad the title wasn't decided there and that we can do it ourselves on the pitch on Friday? Yeah, I'm probably glad we didn't win it. Uh, it would have been entertaining to be at the ground and see Rovers win the league. I, I was covering the game last year, the Finn Harps uh, match against Bohemians in Denyman Park when when Harps won 2-0 and, uh, uh, and Rovers won the league title and had to try to remain somewhat professional and not celebrate. In, it was a behind-closed-doors game, but I, I very much enjoyed talking to Ollie Horgan after that match and going, Ollie, you'll, you won't have to... To buy a pint in 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 Tal again, so but I think the chance to to win it in front of you know pretty much hopefully a, a full house or as big as we can get in Tala would be would be great. Um, you know because restrictions have been have been eased and you know the last couple obviously we won the league title last year and people can only celebrate. Like I remember jumping on a on a Zoom call with with Owen and a few other guys we would have gone to games with last year and the, the players were talking about uh, I think Aaron McNiff was telling the story about the the WhatsApp group slowly started to get going at about 75 minutes in that Bose Finn, Finn Arps game um, and Stephen Bradley wasn't even watching only Glenn Cronin sent him a text going we're going to have to buy Ollie Horgan a bottle of champagne and, and Bradzer was like what? It's like well Harps are winning um, so, so no one really got to celebrate last year's league title and then if you go back to to 2011 we won it in Belfield uh, and then the year before just about we won it in the Carlisle ground so actually the chance to win it in Tala at home uh, so win the league title for the first time at home since 94 um, is a great opportunity so yeah I, I think uh, you know we, if we win We'll win the title. I think if if Pat's draw, I think we only need to draw. But let's just concentrate on getting three points, as the players would say. As the season draws to a close, as well, one of the hotly debated player of the years in a long, long time. <coughs> who do you who do you give the gong to, McDara? It's a tough one. I'm still undecided myself. Prof is Prof knows who he wants, but I'm I'm still it's up in the air for me. Yeah, I've uh, I just got the the latest program in in front of me. Just have a look at the squad list, and, and at different times during the season, I, I've uh, thought it would be different players, like you know Rory Gaffney, you know particularly during Europe because he was just so crucial. Um, I think Danny Mandreau, particularly in the last kind of few weeks, ha- has been really good. I think someone mentioned maybe Ronan Finn, um, the last time as well. Like he, you know, the fact that he's still playing at this high level, you know, and, and playing in a new relatively new position um i think it's great that there's all these contenders 
I'll, I'll probably have a look back and kind of think who who has won it, won it before. Like, you know, Pico Lopez in any other season would probably, but the fact that he won it last year, I think, you know, people want to, it's generally does does the rounds, even though I think I think we worked it out that, that Barry Murphy, I think, is the only player to win it, win it three times. So, so yeah, I haven't really decided. So, um, uh, a late swing from one of the players with, uh, you know, some remarkable performances from the next four games and a hat-trick in the United Union uh, final uh, in December might, might swing it. I think we'll have decided by then. <laughs> and Alan, give us your player of the year as well. Yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because as dominant as, as, the, as the team have been, you know, like winning the league fairly easily uh, well touch wood but uh you know they're they're they've all been kind of consistent but they're, they're i don't there's been one player that's really sort of like yeah he's the really obvious candidate you know i'd probably go for the same three names as, as mcdara's pulled out there i mean rory gaffney has a very good shout for it i think uh danny mandreau um some really important goals and you know really really nice player obviously um and then ron finn i think is the other one who's worth thinking about um for the exact reasons McDair said, I mean, just to be playing at such a high level, he's got the energy of a 19-year-old. It's unbelievable. Like, And I think also he's just been such a great servant for the club. And, you know, we all know his signing in, what was it, 2017? Um, was such a statement signing and such a, yeah. you know, when you look back at it now, it was a real signing that put a lot of the other jigsaw pieces in place for us, you know. So I, I'd nearly think just out of a kind of a uh, a loyalty to Finn or a recognition of his his career, really, um, I'd be tempted to give it to him as well. But uh, totally, totally agree with you as regards to that because, like, he's stepped it up and and he's battled so hard throughout this season. And it wasn't necessarily man the match performances, but they were inspiring performances. Like they were, he was playing out of position and he just shows that energy and that pace. And it still has pace now, but. It's it's the way he conducted himself and brought the team to the next level in times of really like trying times, in particularly certain games where we were down and out, and he lifted the whole team. And I think that's there's a lot to be said for that, as more so than goals in in a way. So I think Finn is one hundred percent in the top three for me. I think, anyway, I think even just chatting, I think I think you've made up my mind for me. I think I'm going to go. For <laughs> I think I'm convinced. Okay, so Alan, we're going to give the last question to you. Um, the last time we heard from you on the podcast, you were giving us a history lesson on uh, Slobran Bratislava and their European success in the 1960s with a, with a dulcet tone of yours. Uh, now we know where you got them from because uh, your dad, Rodney Royce, he was an RTE broadcaster for over 40 years. And of course, we're all saddened to hear of his passing in August. And you know, when the president leads the tributes, you've done something right in life. But uh, tell us how your dad influenced you. Yeah, uh, well, I'm glad I I, uh, I managed to hopefully pronounce everything correctly in this podcast, and not with my uh, not with my uh, Slovan Bratislava attempt. Uh, that's all. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, well, I suppose Dad brought me to the games. Uh, my mum and my dad brought me. To, I think it was actually my mum's idea. I think to go to the games back in 1990. They were kind of Sunday afternoon RDS matches, uh, so they sort of took a an idea it would be a nice family thing to do. And of course, the the five of us went, but. Uh, I was the only one who who kind of stuck with it. Uh, the rest of them, uh, like Dad, would have gone to the odd match. His last game was actually the cup final, um, which we won uh, the 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 twenty nineteen cup final. Um, and my brother lives abroad, but when he comes, like he he 
I suppose follows them online and checks the results and all that kind of stuff and would, would, would come to a game when he's home but, but doesn't get the chance very often. Um, so yeah, I suppose uh, I, I probably owe it to, to my dad and my mum obviously for going to, going to the games. Um, and then as you say, I mean, he, he, he had a, the, the long career in journalism as well so I suppose that probably put me on that path as well. So maybe he's to blame for having all these uh, Rovers books unleashed on the world in a, in a roundabout way as well. <laughs> That's it. Well done in the book, guys. Uh, it's a great read. Uh, definitely one for the old Christmas stocking. Uh, very, very accurate stats in it as well. So, it's an excellent <laughs> fact checker. But uh, best of luck with it. And uh, thanks for talking to us today. Thanks a million, guys. Thanks really very much, guys. It. Thanks a lot. Uh, that was excellent. Thanks, Cheers. Yeah, prof. That was fab. That was fab. Fabulous. Yeah, that was class. I re- really enjoyed that. The way they fifty interviews in the book, and I loved how they just certain players just sprang to mind. From all different eras, like one minute McDarry is talking about Barry Murphy and his career, yeah, path. Next, he could be talking about a player from the fifties or Larry Palmer in in World War Two times. And like, if, if when you read the book, like like Owen says, it's like a journey through society in Ireland. When you read the book from the thirties to present day, and we touched on that as well, talking about the other possible historical books that come out and how how they would. Sp- come across if we could ever match the timelines with mm-hmm. some other clubs but yeah no, really really enjoyable and I am dying to get my hands on this book so it is mm-hmm. out on Friday guys make sure you get yourself a copy head on down to the store and get it signed by our two uh, literary geniuses prof yeah Gar, what a rare gathering of esteemed individuals that was uh, three respected published authors and Gary and then it's, it's, it's like uh, I'm outside the window can I come too <laughs> <laughs> I had to get you back for that so um, yeah brilliant stuff and check it out so Prof next up is the stats there's a mathematician a different kind of mathematician and a statistician stats well I'm going to open with the stats by did you see on Facebook uh, Phelan Warren is suggesting that Liam Poles get a couple of games at the end of the season. Phelan, as much as I love you, I'm going to shoot you down big time with this one. I'm going to go as far as to say, get out of the club. Get, get out of the club. Get out of it. Yeah, no, it's a terrible, terrible show, in fairness. A few people agreeing with him, saying he's been loyal to us and he's waited this long. Hooperman's been loyal. Do you want to throw him a left back? I suppose, what is the... Last year we had the motivation of going and beating. This year our only motivation is beat Bowles. No. It's not happening, bro. Um, he probably will try with some inexperienced teams, though, towards the end. No, I don't, I don't think he should. We're away to Waterford. He probably will there. And that what I'm talking about. I want the young mm. lads in. Get them mm. in. Get the mm. fucking Cole of Mullachormans. Get the Noonans in. Get the McMenemies in. Get them all in. Well, as a stats man. The idea of Al not being ever present, it makes me sick. Oh, man, and I, just, I, I literally just got a shut out. And I'm not, I'm just, no, not interested. It's awful. Uh, so the gap is 13 points now. Like I said last week, our record is 11. In fact, the 36-game season record by any club is 11. Well, there's not actually been a lot of 36-game seasons. It's been, like... In the last 30 years, it's mostly 33 or 27 or around that. But 11 is the record, so we could break that. And as I said, the best ever is Bowes, 19. And then at Lone, 16. So we might get in there. 
And if you did my quiz during the week, Garrett, you'd know that... The weekly wanker quiz. Yeah, Finn Harps have never won a Premier Division game at Talla, and neither have Waterford or Longford. And But you would have known the answer to the first question, wouldn't you? The only other, I believe, only other <laughs> Rovers player from Clare. Yeah, Barry Ryan. Yeah. Takes it up the... <laughs> Um, I think that was Fieger who got in touch, wasn't it? And yeah. Fieger also yeah. said that he wanted to debunk the theory of uh, Robbers never winning on the big screen in the far provinces. He had a work due on for the Dundalk 3 2 in 2020. So there we go, we won that yeah, one. Yeah, we got we won on that the big one. screen. Uh, Matt O'Dowd had what he called the pointless stat of the day. He said, We have more points in the league now than when we won the title in 2010. And the same amount as when we won in 2011. I like that stat. I like stats like that. Mm-hmm. And like I mentioned, I do have a big stat ready for Friday. Potentially oh. it could happen. Monster stat. The graphic is being done as we speak. I'm ready to pounce. But if it doesn't happen, no biggie. We can just update it for next week. And kind of coinciding with that, this isn't. it doesn't involve Graham Burke, but... Graham Burke is on 48 goals for Rovers, so I'll have to do something special for his 50th as well. He certainly will. He could nab that on Friday. He could nab his 49th and his 50th. Yep. Prof. So, finger out your bum. Um, yeah, so any more stats, Prof? No, that's it. Start 11s. No predictions. Um, I'm going full tilt for this one, Prof. You might be surprised. I'm going to go Alamanis, Grace Pico Gannon. We should mention before you get going here, uh, Ronald Finn came off in the Longford game early on with oh, an injury. for Jesus' sake. And Gary O'Neill missed the game, presumably followed up from the suspected concussion. Right, so Gaza is back in my opinion, right? I'm going to mm-hmm. go with my team. I'm going to go with my team, perfect. Right? I'm going to go Grace Pico Gannon, right? I'm going to go Cutter on the left. Has to be Finner. Skip has to play this game. Captain fucking fantastic is playing this game. Gary O'Neill and Watts. What I'm gonna go greener, Gaff and Mandaloo. Dropping Richie Tail. Mm. There's a bit of sentiment involved there. I think it's about the players I want to see win on the pitch. Do you know what I mean? I do know and what you start mean. Start that game. I want the player I want this team and this squad to start this game who we've all taken to nothing against Richie, I just think well, it could be about who I wanna blitz them. Well, when we, if we win the league on Friday, it could be more about who's on the pitch when the when the final whistle True. goes. True, subs could be made. Yeah, subs could be made. But that's my team anyway. I'm gonna put Greener. Greener starts for me. Greener starts on the left with Gaff. I'm gonna probably put Greener on the right and have him cutting in. Dangerous as fuck there. Danny does his thing. Uh, Garanil Watts, Finner, Cotter, Grace, Pico, Ganamanis, and I'm gonna go for four two. A couple of late winners. And to have us on the edge of our seats. 4-2. Late winners, edge of our seats. Celebrate the league title. Um, Yeah, so the 20th anniversary as well, Prof, don't forget. 20th anniversary of the Ultras is on in the four Profs. Upstairs in the Rovers room. So you're welcome to join that after one. If you want to celebrate in our potential league winning celebrations. Out of pure laziness, I'm going to go with your team also. <laughs> <laughs> uh, back three... I mean, you can't really drop though any no, of those three. That, that's our that's our back three for next two seasons. 
I mean, Joey has some minutes in the legs now, so he, he could he could start, or at least him a little rest. he could come on. Are you just going to rest him for the rest of his career? <laughs> Are you going to give him that finish flag? Until he sees me and bores me, then I'll start him again. I'm sorry that Nicky won't take that finish flag in good spirits. Could wrap it around my neck. <laughs> yeah, that's for a prediction. Um, I'm going to say an L 2-0 victory. Number 19. Coming home, prof. I'm saying Greener is going to score again. Yes. Maybe not a little chippy, but uh, some maybe on the ground this time. <laughs> And the other goal will be scored by, I'm going to say Finner. Into the south stand to win the league. There we go, Prof. Love it. Finner if he's fit. Mm. Hooperman is back yeah. as well, Prof. Hooperman is back. What a time to make a comeback in potentially a league winning game. He will be running amok in the round of south stand. And we have 5,000 tickets sold by Wednesday. We are looking at a 7,500, 8,000 sellout. What are we looking at, Prof? It's going to be sold out. Do you think? Have we ever... We've never sold it for a league game. We're going to sell it out. Get your tickets. Well, Get use our tickets. It's a little over seven thousand for the dock, so it'll be fantastic if we, yeah. if we could sell it out. Give us a user prof. Come on, give us a user. User setup. <laughs> I'm not sure about Hooperman's new eyes, though, Gary. I think. Uh, well, Hooperman looked like he had a couple of little drinkies before he got onto the pitch. I'd imagine. I reckon he got these new eyes from Turkey. Or kicking the stones. Yeah. I don't know where he got these eyes from. So but, uh, yeah, really just, just as as a side note, um, RDE are covering the game. Um, presumably they'll cover like even if we win this, they'll still cover Drada because that would be the trophy presentation. And uh, and I, Gar, I am returning to the South Stand for the first time. You're gonna have one of those entrances, <laughs> and the the flag's gonna go up, and it's gonna be like the prof enters. Everyone's just bringing him up in a king's chair. He's doing the queen's wave. <laughs> for the first time since the make room on the patch the patch yeah first time since Cobbett so Dundalk 3-2 February 2020 that's the last that time that prof I right. stood in the south stand loving it loving it and I'm on the cover of the programme as well of course check out the prof the Maloney the Lowe's the Goggins the McDarras, the Royces, all these fantastic, the Legrues, all these fantastic guys who contribute to the programme. Check it out. Five or a pop. Yeah. Let them keep the Euro as a tip. So that's how it works. Both me and Maloney singing the praises of Graham Garton. So, Garts, we, we know you listen. You may not be able to fit your head out the stadium. It could be so big after reading I these know, two articles. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're complimentary. Um, also as well my mate Kieran, Kieran Gentleman who did the LOI Curious he's making his South Stand debut as well oh yes into uh, the perch you go I made sure he got a South Stand ticket he, he, won, he won Lee Grace's jersey as well during the week so oh excellent he's, excellent he's buzzing do you know his past game finishes 15 minutes earlier than ours so technically the league could be over in the 75th minute of ah, so match. we could just keep an eye on the score and <laughs> start celebrating oh man yeah pitch invasion there you go right. so that is it for this week prof it was yeah. I, you mentioned I don't want to cover the programme it was his birthday as well the other day 18 years of age there you go a young man so will we be setting singing the world on fire will we be singing that song Gary you know what song I mean oh I think I think we certainly will prof <laughs> I think we certainly will and hopefully we'll be drinking it as well soon enough so that is it for this week, Prof. We will see you back in the perch, Prof. Back in the south stand, back on Block X. So here we go. Here's the 19. Keep on hooping. See ya.